I'm going to tell you a few stories. All you have to do is listen. Hello and welcome to another movie podcast. My name is Oscar and with me today is... Luke. What? And... Yeah. Ralph. Yes, the one and only Ralph. The, the always Ralph. Ahem. <clears throat> Um, this is episode number 139. Today's show will conclude, will, will, uh, feature reviews of the following films. Uh, Dune, the latest film that I have not watched yet, um, by, um, Denis Villeneuve. We're also going to review Wes Anderson's latest film, which is available in limited distribution, limited screens, uh, the French Dispatch. And then finally, as con- we conclude our show and our little mini marathon going over the anniversaries of uh, select movies, I decided to go with the 30th year anniversary of The Silence of the Lambs. So check those out. You can always find this show and all of our episodes over not just on iTunes, but also on our website, otherpodcast.com, where you can find all of our previous marathons and everything we've done for this particular marathon lately. We did Boys in the Hood. We've done... Uh, Ghost World, right? Other things. Um, check it out there. Now, before we really continue, uh, Luke, is this really you or are you a bot? No, it's me. I know it's, it's been a long, long time. That's right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to force you to do a sideways review with me later. So uh, can... it's been long overdue. You know, maybe that's what I should post on the next one. Okay, that's 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 brainstorming material. Let's skip that. But how have you been? I've been great. I'm actually home for a little, so we're gonna take advantage of this and for like a month record. or a week or a day. Um, well, today's was, Sunday. Uh, I've been uh, watching. Maybe <laughs> after Wednesday, I might be sent out away to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta take advantage of you as soon as yes, you're here. Yes, okay. you can. Got it. One thing's for sure, though, I will never invite you to do another marathon. <laughs> <laughs> promise um, um yeah that's never happening again <laughs> remember the steven spielberg one ah those were the days i still have like the terminal sitting on like the dvd i'm so glad i didn't have to rewatch that movie i'll tell you that i guess that's the one we'll, we need to finish that that one up so you know. no we don't no yeah, we no, do. no one nah, no. we good do we some good, housekeeping man. don't worry about it i got you on that um uh autumn shake yeah, we got an Adam Shank thing. Well, that's way later. You're you're teasing a way later thing. I'm teasing um, something. Ooh. Normally, we do a thing where we're like, oh, you see how everyone's been doing. But I just really want to ask Luke, and we could just skip because we have a big recent discovery segment. So you, uh, yeah. we're going to go right into that right now. I'm going to start with Luke here. Ralph, uh, Ralph Jesus. This is how much <laughs> I'm used to. Ralph. Uh, Luke, what have you been watching? I've uh, dived into the Neon Genesis Evangelion, or Evangelion, depending on how you want to pronounce it, movies. 1.0, 2 3.0, or 1.11, 2.11, 3.11. I don't know which one is the correct one. I've seen mm. them used both ways. And these I were made f- after or recently? Were they made recently? Uh, 1.0 was made in uh, 2007, I believe. And then, but recently in 2021, um, Amazon bought the rights to them and they redubbed them and everything like that, so... Oh, they did okay. keep some of the original people from from the original dub, but most of them got changed is, out. Is, is that a nineties anime? Yes, right. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was originally in the nineties. Had like twenty six episodes mm-hmm. and two movies, I think. But then this came out in two thousand seven, and I think two 
2.0 came out in 2009, and I think 3.0 came out in 2011. Okay, so and, now, because I know this show, and I haven't seen it in a long time, but I know it's very convoluted and sci-fi heavy, I'm going to ask you, to, if you can, because a lot of people have not seen this, in order to talk about these movies, you quickly give us a worldwide synopsis of, of the plot of the world that we're in. Like a, a quick thing. So you could, so when you start talking about it, we're not okay. entirely lost. So there was a thing called the second impact where something like an angel entity came and wiped out a huge chunk of the earth. So they made these mecha type things called Evangelions or Eva units to fight these things to prevent a third impact that would pretty much wipe out the whole humanity's existence. Pacific Rim? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like Pacific Rim, but a, like, you know, 10 years too late, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Uh, and anyway, so just this year, the fourth movie finally came out. So that's why I'm re-watching them. Well, actually, watching them again for, actually for the first time because... The last one, 3.0, came out in 2012. And now the fourth one, 3.0 plus 1.0, finally came out after nine years of waiting. Okay. Is it a finale? I don't know. I haven't seen the fourth one yet. But, oh, but you, you don't know if it is a finale? You mean, yeah, you don't. it should be. Uh, the first two movies are kind of faithful to the anime, with some liberties taken, especially during the second movie, when they introduce like a new character and everything. Mm -hmm. The third movie completely changes everything. Like it goes into the future, like 14 years. There's a whole bunch of new shit going on. Okay. And then the fourth movie, I don't know. I, I I'm actually really excited to watch it to see where they even take it. But they, literally I take it at one point in the second movie. They just say, Nope, this happens. And there's going to be a 14-year time jump. And it completely erases like what happened in the show. Okay. So, it's good. So, so the fourth movie is called Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01. Thrice Upon a Time. Thrice Upon a Time. Yeah. Not confusing at all. No. I'm no, no, looking one... at them up and I'm like, what? So, um, let me ask you something. It's, yeah. uh, you said Prime Video about the rights. The, everything relating to Neon Genesis Evangelion, whether it's a show or any of these movies, are they all available on Prime? Yes, they are. And uh, you, can all, all, you can all stream them on Amazon Prime. Because and I've been wanting to do this. I've been yeah. wanting to like, hunker down, you could have figure this me. shit out. I have the complete DVD collection. Oh, okay. That's not complete anymore. No, it's not massively incomplete now. Uh, but they are, they also did re-release, uh, yeah. or I think I have That's the like buying the first four Fast and the Furious and saying, I'm done, guys. <laughs> well, it's like them releasing a well, complete... To be fair, the first Fast three the are the most yeah. memorable. What? I swear Fast to and the Furious, the, the first three say? are the good ones. The shit that, that is all, it's all a blur. What? You could leave whenever. Go to I don't even remember say. part two. Oh, wait, it's too Fast and Furious. Yeah. That's why. And part three is Tokyo Drift. Come on. I mean, everyone knows Tokyo The song's yeah. in your head right now. Oh, 100% on. it is. Okay, Oscar, there is a Blu-ray coming out November 9th. It's the complete series. I think it's the 26 episodes and the two movies. It's on Amazon for $37.99. You mean the two movies that are not 1.112? Yes. Right? These are three. Those three. So there's actually those two. six movies. Oh, wait, those two. You do mean those two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's six movies total. The first Well, two... I'm definitely not buying a Blu-ray set for something I haven't seen yet. So I just want to okay. see them. <laughs> 
I just want to figure this out because I remember this is the Roxafon era too, where like I saw a bunch of these movies that are so con uh, shows that are so convoluted that I was fascinated by them. But I was, let's face it, I was too young to really wrap my head around the whole thing. I wasn't sure about about a couple things. I got most of it, but not everything. And I have been wanting to rewatch them. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. So you like them? You're a fan of these movies? Yeah, up until the third one, and I had to like stop myself, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I watching? Is this the right anime? Like, what happened?" <laughs> and I had to like, I had to re, I had to stop at like, tw- it's like we're watching Tim Peaks, twenty minute bit. mark, and I had to, have to go back, and I'm like, "Okay, what am I missing? What the fuck?" And then I'm like, "Okay, now I get it. Okay, there's a there was a huge time jump, and okay, yeah, make this make sense. Okay, I'll just just guide me. Okay, I don't know if that was a a, a review, but we, we got something there. Um. But, um, yeah, check that out. In case you needed to know, Shinji is still a little bitch. Oh, sure. I I do not remember the show. It's been a long time. Like, probably since the early 2000s. Since I saw it. Okay. Now, you got another one here. Yes, I did actually watch a movie with people in it and, you know, things like that. People in it. Yeah. (laughs) I watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Mm -hmm. which is starring Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield as uh, Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker who were uh, televangelists in the 70s and 80s. So, I mean, it's around your time, Oscar. So I want to tell where they, where they it started to get big. You mean, you mean when televangelism was yeah. getting big, right? That kind of I era. think that was, they became one of the biggest televangelists where they had their own satellites and everything. And I think they were <laughs> reaching like 20 million people a day. Hmm. And those people donated money to them and their church and yeah, right. And yeah, now we know they buy airplanes. You know, and money shit. and uh, televangelists. They wouldn't be making a movie and a documentary about them if it wasn't good. I just hope that at the end of the movie in the credit, they don't say all proceeds went to something. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that I saw. But uh, um, Jessica Chastain is unrecognizable. Okay, cool. Like, so I was really shocked. I'm like that. That cannot be. Her from Molly's Game, like no way in hell. Hmm. It's funny how that's the go-to for a lot of people. Molly's yeah. Game. Um, so how how was the movie? It was good. That's a biopic, obviously. So you know. Oh right, you're a big biopic. <laughs> yes, I forgot about yeah. that. It's been a while. And I am. I actually do want to see the documentary that's under the same name that came out, I think, a year ago. So. Oh really? Same name, huh? Interesting. Same name. Okay. All right. Does it make you? understand televangelism more or just hate no i think it's all a fucking scam but that's no 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 understand you can still you can still um, understand something you hate (laughs) i'm not saying that it's a good okay i I think they had the right ambitions but they're still scumbags for what they did yeah for sure i mean i agree 100 percent on all of those not that i've ever seen an episode myself um okay that's what Luke's been watching. Roth, you have uh, one thing. Actually, a movie I do want to see. So, what do you got? I got you. I got you. I'm going to say it. Uh, how, my, I, my movie's Halloween Kills. Um, the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series. That is the description. Um, just letting you know. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I will say it right away, um, in case if it's something... Um, it takes place right after the previous Halloween movie. Yeah, I heard. Yes. Okay. Cool. So besides that, maybe it's not. It's not a. It's not the greatest Halloween installment. It's not the worst either. It's not we, Halloween two. Didn't we review the last one? Yeah, we did. Okay. 
Um, it's not Halloween too. It's not H two O. It's not you know. H two O. I love. I just love the one with Buster Rhymes in it. No, no, that's not Buster Rhymes. That's Halloween Resurrection. The season of the witch. No. No. Nope. None of those. Okay. Remember that. Anyways, um, this one. one. This one does have Anthony Michael Hall in it. For those guys who looking for it, forward to Anthony Michael Hall being in a movie. I mean, sure. Yeah. Besides that, um, uh, interesting cast. Uh, more like a, it's like a mob mentality movie thing going on. Um, hmm. okay. But besides that, the movie was like I said, it was it was alright. It was it was cool to see. Uh, I guess they're them. Finally, living up to the 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 realization that he's Michael Myers isn't like just just an evil person, just not not even a person, like just an evil being, you know. Um, so besides that, I mean, the movie was okay. Would I recommend you to watch it if you have AMC stubs? One hundred percent. If you don't have AMC stubs, well, it's on or, Peacock also. Oh, I don't have the cock, um, hmm. but. Uh, that's what I call Peacock. Um, and then I uh, I would recommend if you if you do have Peacock, then yeah, of course, watch it on that. But if you're going to watch it in theaters, I would say for sure $5 holler or try to do uh, the 30% when it's, what is it, AMC does before 4 o'clock, I think, 30% off on movies. So oh, okay. doesn't need anything extra, doesn't need anything that, one of those movies for sure. Uh, it was just okay. As a Halloween movie, I've seen better. I've seen worse, though. So it's just somewhere in the middle. Okay. I mean, I I remember not liking the first one. The first one meaning the the, the one first one, the one that one. just came up before this. Because yeah, these two are like, yeah, uh, you're, the, none you're of not, these make sense. Really, you're not going to like some of this either. Yeah. Um. And actually, there's a part of the movie where I just got really confused, and then it took me until that character, till character does something that I was like. Oh, I remember who you are. And it just wasn't like, I was so confused about that part of the movie. But besides that, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of history to the movies now since there's 36 of them. So. Yeah, there's a lot. Right. And this, and supposedly from what I hear is that this one, I mean, for, I saw the first one also, but like uh, it, it takes, it, it doesn't, it only takes the first two movies or the first one only into account, the 1971. Um. And, the, and skips the rest, like the rest don't exist. Correct. Interesting. Correct. It does do that. That's how we're I, doing things now. Yeah, it doesn't take anything else into exactly, um, very much so. It takes the first two, and then it takes the last two that it's, it's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. very much so. Yep. I yeah, I mean, I, know, I mean, I wasn't interested at first because like, I didn't like the first one because it's made yeah. by the same director. And yeah. I wasn't a fan. I just wasn't a fan. Like, what are you doing, movie? Um, there is but I, I heard enough people talking about it that I may watch it. Yeah, I heard a lot of people watching this movie. And I was like, really? Was like, it just looks bad. But I ended up watching it. I owed my wife it's a, also date, October. a movie date. It is October, 100%. Yeah, I owed my wife a movie date. So yeah, yeah, I, I had to go watch something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so that's the movie you've seen. Correct. Halloween Kills on Peacock and on theaters. Um, oh, the not cock. for me. Yeah, the cock. Um, now the movies I've seen. Uh, obviously, it's horror, so I watch a lot of horror movies or horror themed or horror thrilled or something. So here they are. One is on Netflix. It's a new movie called "There's Someone Inside Your House." Um, that someone it, is you. I wish. No, it was. It wasn't me. Um, it is a small town uh, serial killer happening kind of movie 
where actually it opens with that with uh, you know the first character dying, kind of like a cold open to a victim. Um, and it's, it, is, it was kind of cool. I, I did kind of like it. Yeah. Um, the guy works a little too specific, in my opinion, where the serial killer, I mean, there's, you know, because every serial killer movie, you watch enough of them, and you start, like, picking up tropes about them and stuff 100% like that. You do who that. does it better? Who does it worse? Who's more brutal? Things like that. I agree. This guy's too convoluted for his own taste. No, I don't. I never <laughs> empathize with anyone Oops. in this movie. That was the problem. That's why I didn't like it so much. And I couldn't empathize with anyone. It was pretty tropey in bad ways, I think. Anyway, but... Uh, but the, 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 the makings of this killer, the way he did it was like, or it, or she, or whatever. Um, just trying to spoil it. Uh, is that he would, like, he would wait for, he would, you know, be in their house, obviously, break in at some point where they don't know, wait for them to fall asleep, take their phone while they're asleep, and then set up the whole house in a way where, like, it's not like booby trapped or anything, but set up the house in a way to make them, like, panic and all this stuff by not being able to call for help. Right, he and lives then for that moment, dude. when he kills, when he kills, um, he's wearing a prosthetic fa- uh, mask of the person's face, of the victim's face. Oh so man, that's a looking- lot of setup. Right, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, that's overkill, bro. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> this <laughs> guy's kill the kill, man. This, this so guy, you, so you're being killed by someone that looks like you. Essentially, yeah, th- this right? guy obviously saw or run into way too many serial killers, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. how do I? Distinguish myself. Yeah, I got it. It 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 did seem like that. I felt like a writer's thing. I'm like, this is not very good, but okay. And and it really stays on that kind of level, honestly. And it's okay. It's just okay. If you're looking for a throwaway movie for sure, background movie it works for that. So check it out if you wish. It's on Netflix. There's someone inside your house. Next up on Shutter, I saw uh, the the latest entry in the VHS movies. This is like the fourth, maybe or the fifth. I don't know. Uh, VHS 1994. Or just 94, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, check it out. It's a, it's a new movie. came out this year, like a month ago. Um, I think uh, at the uh, beginning of the month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the way the series works, in case this is the first time you're hearing about it, is that VHS is a series. It's like a, it's almost like a miniseries, really. It's not. It's a movie, but it's a, it's a bunch of short movies, short horror film movies what? that are written and directed by different people. Um, and... The way it works is that there's a, there's like an overall story of these people, usually shady or fucked up people or like criminals or like assholes who break into this house. This is in the original trilogy, break into this house or whatever. And for one reason or another, and they find these t- TV screens and the, and tapes everywhere, VHS tapes. Right. And when they play one, it starts up the next sh- the next short film. What's and the VHS? What- Shut up. Um, you're old enough. You're old too. Okay. Anyway, and um, the the only the only follow through that these movies have beyond horror is that they are all found footage, so they have to be creative in many ways, right? You know, but we've seen everything. There's ghosts. There's serial killers. There's zombies. There's fucking aliens. There's everything. Everything that has been done with these short films. And the, the great thing about them is that if you don't like one of them, chances are you might like the next one because they're all different. So it has that going for it. I've always liked them for that reason. It has a nice little refreshing palette. It's almost like a show, but in a movie, and it's right. much and it feels much more condensed and better and streamlined that way for me personally. So it works out for me. Now, how did this one fare to the others? It probably is one of the worst ones for sure. Bottom oh, so half. But it wasn't um, a viral hit sensation. Huh? Did you really just say that? <laughs> did you VHS? really? Yeah, I know what you said. <laughs> I know what you meant. 
I did not miss you at all. I um, miss you. So, <laughs> uh, this one, I would say this one had two good ones. The Rat King one I really liked. And the one by that Filipino director who was fucking bonkers. He has like a whole science experiment short story in there. But the one thing I didn't like this this movie is worst on is the is the reason that they're watching the movies. It's like it's ninety four, so it's like in the past. It's like the origins maybe of these tapes. I don't know what's going on, but it's so clunky and so f- like not very well set up. And they just play tapes as people walk by. No one's entranced to watch them. There's no sense of curiosity that goes along with watching them. So it's only like us who are watching them. It's like it doesn't feel even right compared to the other ones. I feel like they lost that magic from the follow through of why these tapes are there. You know, I don't want them to explain it. I just want them to just go with that notion and it kind of fucked that up. But if you're interested, though, there are some good shorts in there for sure. I I did like it overall because of those shorts. Check it out on Shutter VHS 94. Next up, I saw a movie that's available to rent and buy on VOD. It's called Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Have you guys seen the original Escape Room? Uh, no. But I saw I... Panic Room. Nope, does that count? Nope, nope. Does not count at all. Not even a little. No, this um, is one of those uh, random movies series that I didn't know was a series. And I well, just it's only two movies. movies. Oh? It's only two wait, movies. Only this wait, one on... wait, so there's a third. Well, yeah, once it's the third, you can now we can say it's something. Um, so this movie reminds me of Now You See Me. Okay. Where uh, Now You See Me, Now You See Me 2, and number three. I'm sure it's, I think it's the third, right? Um, there are these movies that shouldn't work. Somehow they kind of did. They're kind of fun. Now, this is the same thing, but in more of a thriller slash almost horror kind of way with... Uh, because they're escape rooms. It's like they take the idea of escape room. It's like taking an idea of a board game and making it into a movie. It's the same thing. But in this case, it's a straight-up sequel from the last one. I did see the first one in theaters, actually. Because I really, really like this notion of escape, like of elaborate, complicated escape rooms that will actually result in your death if you get it wrong. Like, it actually results in death with for the characters. And in this one... Um, all the winners from past escape rooms challenges, whatever they call them, um, are all in the are all competing or not competing, but they're all in the same rooms rooms together. So they like they so know it's the best of the best, right? Hence the tournament of champions. Even one character says, "Oh, is it like a tournament?" It's such a bad, such bad writing, guys. I love it, but love it's it. so much fun. I had so <laughs> much fun with these movies. I know it's, it's like terrible. the concept is really good, but everything else is just like ugh. yeah, or exactly. And there's a whole like mega villain set up, and there's like the mega villain's daughter, and like what's going on with that? I'm like, yes, give it to me. So yeah, it was fun. I really liked Escape Rooms overall. I, my bank, the bank one's probably my favorite, but there's a lot of good ones. I just like people Spoiler. coming up with shit. Yeah, this doesn't spoil anything. Anyway, check it out. Uh, next up here, I saw these last two are on Shutter. I saw American Mary for the first time. Have you guys seen that movie? It's it's an old movie. Never even heard of it. Yeah, it's from uh, 2011, I think, 2012, something like that. And um, American Mary... I was but a to... young lad. What? I was but a young lad. Younger lad, anyway. Uh, wow. <laughs> takes one to know one, right? Um, American Mary is great. Uh, I really fell in love with this movie, surprisingly. Uh, it's about this uh, this uh, this surgery, surgeon student, whatever, doctor student, who is... Um, 
gets fucked over by her professors, literally, actually, um, gets like drugged and, you know, raped at a party and, and then videotaped about it. You know, as she's, you know, being a star pupil surgeon, you know, that she wants to be. And she quits school and gets involved with the underground criminal, you know, world, you know, in, in, in the city she's in. I don't know where she's in. And, um, and through there, she's able to exact this vengeance to the doctor slash professor that fucked her over. But it's not, the movie is not at all about that. It has that in it for sure. And there are some crazy ass scenes with that shit, 100%. This movie is very not for the faint of heart, I'm going to say. It's not like solely gory. It's just that the scenes it presents are really fucked up. But really, the main thing this movie is about is about this girl finding her way in the world. Like what she finds as her calling is to be an underground surgeon. Nice. She like, I'll doctor. Dude, she like with the right money or with the right creativity, she'll do anything you want. She'll like... Like there's this pair of twins, for example, that comes in, and one of the many things they have her, they ask her to do, is uh-huh. to we cut off the left arm of one and the other so they can replace and they can have each other's arms. For example, what that's, the fuck? Yeah. So random. What? No, yeah, Stupid yeah, random. that's one of them. There's so <laughs> many others. This there's this one person that this is this will actually sound familiar because it's, it's very um it was very uh, news heavy when it came up um in the real world. Uh, there's one girl who wants to be literally stitched up and 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 like physically be like a barbie doll what you know? the hell like a barbie doll so the, no nipples yeah. right a closed you know as close as you physically can of uh you know the uterus thing to the bottom so it can lean down the way it does with the plastic yeah. like with the toy just like that you know shit like that so she becomes like the queen of this underworld and then so becomes like this not a femme fatale because she's not like killing everyone or anything like that. It's not a, that kind of movie, but she but becomes do- like this fucking doing queen bee. She's doing kind of like these heinous acts that nobody, yeah. no, no ethical person would do. Right, right. And she becomes like this queen bee in the underworld, and every no one you can't the energy she and you know it comes out of that. It's just it's like very Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman kind of like, dude. That's you don't fuck with that one. Um, so I really liked it. I just found it so fascinating. Um, and, and kind of cool. So check it out, American Mary. It's it's an old movie that I'm surprised didn't get much hits back then because it's really fantastic. Um, next up here is a another movie called The Poughkeepsie Tapes, which I know you guys haven't seen or heard of. This movie is pretty fucking bonkers. This is a documentary, or I should say, a mockumentary. Aww. Um, nope. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's a mockumentary about a fake or VHS serial killer. Stuff? Viral hit sensations? No, it's not like VHS because VHS is found footage. No, no, the no. more like VHS, like they're actual tapes. Oh, nice. Yes, you're right. It is actual tapes. <laughs> Sorry, I had a mindset there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you did. The Poughkeepsie tapes is about it's a, it's a documentary about this uh, mega serial killer, like this really kind of prolific serial killer in Poughkeepsie, which is in Michigan. I don't remember where. What some state? Um, New York. Is it in New York? Yes. Shut up. Probably. Well, okay. Well, they mentioned Michigan a lot in the movie, so I thought it was Michigan. It says you're if you're going to kill somebody, get him from Michigan. No one's I mean, yeah. I'm included. The guy went around. I'm just saying. Um, you know, and the, and the movies and it's it, it, the movie is made to look like a documentary that was made in the late '90s. So it's a little cheesy, but they do it really well, right? Obviously, they do it pretty stand out for it. And on top of that, it actually it actually accidentally makes a really cool, not accidentally, it makes a really badass mystery about this serial killer. 
you know, because it, it introduces these tapes that they found initially that they found uh, that they had found at the at the at the serial killer's home. Yeah. You know, and they show all these tapes. It's like, it's like hundreds of tapes, and that ninety percent of them are of one of one victim only that he had kidnapped but hadn't killed, and made her do things for him. And it's like fucked up and surreal, and they go through a lot of the victims like a normal documentary would. They talk to FBI forensic specialists and shit like that. Um, and they also, you know, and they get into more and more. And you know, because they found the tapes, that you're waiting. And then it's really cool how it gets there to like, oh my god, how who is this guy? How are they gonna find them? How do they end up finding? Them? Must be a mistake he made, you know. And it's kind of a fun fake documentary. <laughs> That's okay. really works for me. So, like, it's actually better that it is fake because of how well it works because you don't know where it's going. And obviously, it's not based on reality because there's a chance that you might know reality. So, uh, totally fun. A lot of fun in this movie. There are some scenes, for sure, that are pretty hard to watch. But otherwise, it's not, like, insane. It's, it's, it sets to the documentary style overall. Um, not that it censors anything, but it doesn't, like, linger either. So, check it out on Shudder. And that's what I've seen. And happy Halloween, because those are all horror movies, roughly, give or take. So, um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to finally do our first review of the evening, which is going to be Dune. 2021's Dune, not 1980-whatever. So, check it out. And not Jodorowsky's or whatever his name is. Jodorowsky, motherfucker. Stay with us. The outsiders ravage our land. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. So you're going tomorrow? Yes, I'm going tomorrow to advance him. I'd like you to take me with you. Are you trying to give me court-martial? Can I trust you with something? I've been having dreams about a girl falling in battle. Felt like a vision. Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. To the future of House Atreides. You have to be ready. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. In the far future of humanity, Duke Leto Atreides accepts stewardship of the dangerous desert planet Arrakis, the only source of the most valuable substance in the universe, the spice a drug which extends human life and provides accelerated levels of thought. That is Frank Herbert's Herbert, Herbert, I don't know, um, adaptation of Dune. That is the latest Dune we were talking about today. This movie um, was written by several people, including the director, Denis Villeneuve, as well as Eric Roth and John Spites, Spates, Spites, I don't know. Um, and the movie stars a lot of people, a lot of fucking big people. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, oh, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, of course, Jason Momoa, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Stephen McKinley, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster, I think that's the name, Chen Chang, Dave Bautista's in this, Charlotte Rampling is in this. A lot of people that you recognize on TV and movies lately are kind of in here. Um, not, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Bob's Olusamokum. Hmm. Nailed it. Um, yeah. Bunch of people. Nice. Bunch of people. Um, this is like a big temple blockbuster hit that somehow, you know, landed on HBO Max. <laughs> Gotta love that HBO money. Hmm. 
I did like that deal a lot. And um, yeah. he doing it wrong. I love theaters and all. And you guys, not you guys, but Rob especially, was telling me, because he saw it in theaters. Yeah, uh, you, yeah both of you. Yeah, credit. Um, <laughs> that the bass in the movie is whatever is outstanding. I should watch in, in theaters and all that. It's disgustingly amazing. Not that I didn't have anything like that, but obviously it, it was nowhere well, compared to like, the theater. It, it, it adds this level of like, you're almost like you can feel the closeness to like the ships or anything like that. Any any like of those vibrations that you get, or every time they go like you know that that one sound that's very prominent. Yeah, I remember Arrival having a few moments like that too, which is another Denis Villeneuve film, and I saw that in theaters, but I don't remember exactly the moments. I just remember it feeling that. Um, yeah, so I uh, maybe we watch this again. And uh, but anyway, before I get too far ahead, Waf, Waf, I'm gonna start with you today. Uh, what did you think of this film? Uh, Dude, 2021. Mm-hmm. I um, so I'll give a little pre- preface. Um, I didn't going into this movie. I was dreading it actually. Um, the trailers that I happened to see when I would go see movies came. Uh, I would see stuff like that. It just none of it looked appealing. It all looked confusing. Um, I didn't. Uh, I felt like it was going to be a hot mess of a story. Like I couldn't comprehend what the story is trying to tell me. There's a lot going on, but I kind of get it now. Um. I didn't know it was a technical part one. That's the original title, actually. It's called Dude Part One, according to IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I didn't know that. I, I've only, I think, I've seen the original Dude many moons ago. But if I did, I don't remember it, so I can't even tell you what it's about. Never read the book either, or the series. Um, that being said, uh, man, I, I really like this movie. It's a really great. It's like a really good movie. I just, it's a really good movie. It's just like. It's well shot. Like the, I I don't know the sound. The the what's it called? The 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 places where we're what we're seeing. Like uh, it's just it visually looks great. So, sounds looks sounds amazing. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going on that I thought at first it was just going to be too much, and it is too much for one movie. Um, it's like we got like a taste, you know, like it's like we just got our little taste of spice, you know, and now we're all hallucinating. Um, and it's, it, I don't know, it, it's very enthralling. Um, I like the characters overall, even though a lot of stuff happens in the movie, uh, which is to be said because the movie's two and a half hours long. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm highly, highly um, uh, anticipating the next one now. Um, I'm going to try to go mm-hmm. in as blind as possible. I'll probably right. read the book. Um, since I have at least two years before this next movie comes out, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably read the book soon. So, uh, I can just kind of like maybe forget as much of it as possible when I go into the movie or not too much expectations. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, I like a lot of stuff that we touch base on. And normally I would say that they touched on a lot of subjects, but I felt like they did a good job overall of like, um, piecing things together and leading it to what's going to happen in the future. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, I'm not trying to ruin anything in the movie because it's really, it's there's part one, there's part two coming out. So like, yes, we obviously know this is in the end. In case if you were no, no, towards no way, out. no way you can mistake that this is not uh, this is this is only the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> very a, much so. As the character the says in the end. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, actually, yeah. So that is not spoil. I'm not saying who or what, but right. Um, all right, that sounds great, Luke. What about you? What did you think of Dune? All right, well. I don't know that it was a sequel. This is not a sequel. Yeah, it is. Nope. Yeah, it's a Spice World. It's not a real sequel. 
<laughs> it's not. It's not called the Spice World, <laughs> is it? Uh, you hate me. I, know. I hate you. Yeah, I'm not giving you any validity uh, validity in that in that joke by responding in any way. Mm-hmm. Clever, terrible mm-hmm. joke. Continue. Uh, okay. Uh, I know nothing about Dune. I've never seen the original Dune. I only know of Jodorowsky's Dune, which is not even made. <laughs> which never came to me. Never. It's a documentary about a movie that never got made. <laughs> yes. So that I knew nothing. I went in cold. And I enjoyed it. Although I felt that it was all a lot, a lot of it was a setup. And I'm like, ooh, I hope, I think part two is going to be like the meat and potatoes. But this is just the appetizer. Mm-hmm. But it was a goddamn good appetizer. Yeah. Like those, those nachos with the beef and the really good cheese. <laughs> okay. So you're a fan. And you get the, you, you get the nachos that are sad and cheese for a little too long and they're like a little soggy, but they're so good. Okay. Okay. I mean, can that you was talk dirty, about the movie? Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, interesting. Interesting. Um, I have a question for both of you before I see my thing. What genre is this for you guys? Do you guys see it's only a sci-fi? Is it action? Is it drama? What is it? No, I would say sci-fi, drama. sci-fi adventure. Okay. Like uh, I guess it's it's, a, it's definitely one of those. Yeah. yeah. Rav, I look. Sci-fi action comedy drama. <laughs> Every subject. I would say little horror. Little horror. Yeah, I guess it's a little horrifying there. <laughs> War? <laughs> War. Yeah. Biopic? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. I would I say it's like sci-fi and Shakespearean. That's how I felt in the movie. Like, um, so maybe, well, a bad way of saying Shakespearean, if you hate Shakespearean stuff, which I kind of do, actually, usually. I would call it melodrama, melodramatic. But, it, you know, it's not. It, when it works, you fucking call it Shakespeare. And obviously, they even reference it in this movie. So um, I would say it's kind of both. You know, it has the um, it has a political intrigue and big time spectacle of a, you know, of a, um, let's say Lawrence of Arabia or like a the gladiator. Probably the gladiator is more accurate. Um, there are movie. other types um, of this that you can do that. And but it has the 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 sci fi creativity and imagination and scope of um, of an arrival of um, of gravity. I know those are. The, the sci-fi-ness of those are smaller in scale, meaning they don't expend all this time and space, but, like, they have a lot of grandeur to them, right? Um, so I think... Uh, so I'm with you guys. This is a fucking fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. This is a, and a, a really great blockbuster film that I really just enjoyed every second of it. I... You know, besides the one movie in Denis Villeneuve's, uh, you know film career... Uh, I really do enjoy or love all his movies. You know, I've seen not nearly all of them, if if not all of them already. Um, and I really love the guy's style. I don't know. Something about it really hits for me. You know, I would count Arrival as one of the best recent sci-fi movies in recent memory. You know, yeah. it would be in the top 10 list or something. Um, and now he's, he just did it again, you know. And I feel like, damn. You know, and it also feels like this is what people my age in the early 2000s felt when Lord of the Rings were coming out, you know, because I wasn't much of a fantasy guy and I knew about Lord of the Rings. I actually started that franchise um, or watching that series, uh, hating the books because I thought they were really boring. And I was obviously much younger, high school age, a little after that. And um, yeah, so I wasn't, but, but I love the movies. I'm wrong. I'm a huge fan of the movies. Not like you guys, but like, or like Luke, but pretty big. And but I never really liked the source material. But everyone 
was into it and everyone was older and understood those things more, um, they were anticipating because they knew fellowship meant two towers, which means the return of the king. This one means we're going to get more. And it feels pretty great. It feels like we just watched this decade's fellowship. You know? I know. Sounds like a lot of saying. But it feels like it is to me. No, actually, I, I would agree with you 100%. You know? Um, yeah, no, it, it feels like uh, I, would, I would agree with you. Yeah, it's one of those times know. where like, I really went in with a lot of anticipation. And I think it was all met. And in a way that I never anticipated. Because I also never seen a trailer. I saw a teaser. And that's it. I also never read the book. I saw David Lynch's Dune a long time ago. And I remember I couldn't follow it. And I thought it was really kind of meandering and boring. It's like the only Lynch movie I don't like. Really? Um, Interesting. Yeah. And a lot of people say the same I, thing. I just bought it. So. It was a failure uh, commercially at the time. And no, a lot of people didn't get it. And it's not hailed as one of his best or anything. But the only people that defended are those who read the books. Mm. So apparently if you read the books and know the, the details, the, it makes sense. No, the the movie makes sense if you read the books. Like that's how it's supposed to work. Oh, it's like a companion piece. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's how it doesn't work with audiences because most of us have never. I never read the book, so I have a copy, a physical copy, for years and never read it. I tried it once in high school, and I was like, "This is too complicated," and then I dropped it. Um, but I should crack it again. Um, but that being said, Horowski's Dune was such a great like showcase of a movie that never happened. And somehow they pulled it off today. The, the cast seems perfect for all the characters, all the kooky, crazy, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, very grounded characters that are in this. But um, before I go too far from that, uh, Luke, I knew you were going to say something when I was talking about comparing it to Fellowship. What were you going to say? Oh, yeah, it's not three hours plus, so it fails at that aspect. Oh, you don't mean, oh, so it wasn't a real thing. Got yeah, it. Exactly. Okay, got it. Not a real thing at all. Yeah. Got it. If anything, this is better. It's more streamlined. Two forty three. Yeah, see, that's what. See, and, no, yeah. Streamline. I say lacking content. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you could cut a single minute out of Lord of the Rings. Oh, I do. I would. I, no. Actually, I do too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pox on the. Yeah, full of a took. Um, okay. Now, um, man. So um, we recorded these uh, rec- reviews in out of order. So just <gasps> this is for the audience, right? So, <laughs> so in the French Dispatch, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to ba- you know I'm going to do some bashing on Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> that I forgot that, uh, that 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 now I'm going to retract because I saw Dune be between that recording and this <laughs> review. <laughs> you know, so and now I understand why Timothy Chalamet is so like. Not I mean like a crush. I mean like beloved as an actor, and like everyone wants to hire him. Now I get it. Now I get it. He's a pretty solid leading man. He's like, because he's so, he doesn't have much of a boy. He's not like, he's like a a leading boy. He's like a Tom Holland type, you know, where like, you know, looks like a boy. looks like his age, roughly. He looks scrawnier, obviously, because he's Peter Parker from Spider-Man. But, you know, I mean, I feel like they both have a similar trajectory, except that they're both doing different projects. And somehow they both have different types of charming to them. And I'm just saying, as star quality goes, I can see what, what they're trying to do with him and how they're making him work into these movies. And now I understand more of why people love him because yeah, he I mean, killed it. He was the leading man. He he kind of killed it. He was next to Oscar Isaac. He was next to Ferguson and Bardem and shit. And he was holding his own. I feel like. What do you guys think? I think the he leading was good. Boy? Yeah, he's got potential. Well, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a it's a it's a hundred percent a character who's growing, and we're just watching him grow. And I think uh, it does a good job overall. You can see the things, the pressures, the where his thought process is, where you see the. I think they did a good job overall of showing the character. And I mean, obviously, 
the actor does a great job of displaying that. So, yeah, I mean, I think he is a good actor. I haven't seen him in much things, to be brutally honest with you. I didn't see yeah. Little Woman. I never saw Call Me By Your Name. I never saw Lady Bird. So, mm-hmm. like... Oh, man, you gotta see Lady Bird. I mean, it's great for, I would say, everyone else, too, but he's good in it, I guess. He's fine. <laughs> I thought he was just... Okay. <laughs> I thought, no, give me a right. He's just, like, a, a supporting at best. So, like, he's, uh, you know... But um, I I did like him and the other one you mentioned and three uh, Little Women. But again, that one he's also supporting. So like, actually, now that I think about it, to be honest with you, I think this might be my first movie I saw him in. Um, besides uh, Dispatch, right? Yeah, yeah, I really? saw this one first technically. Yeah, I'm trying oh, to look yeah, at his career. First, right? I'm looking at his career. He's got a lot of stuff from before. Oh, you know what? Nope, I saw him in the Homeland. So he was a he was a character in Homeland. Homeland, the show. Yes. Who was in Homeland? Wait, um, maybe they're not important, maybe, but I didn't yeah. know he was in that show. Eight episodes. I saw the entire show. I don't remember him at all, but maybe it was before he was famous and it just didn't click. That's probably, yeah. Yeah, it was because it, it so Homeland was, was a few born in 95, so. <laughs> 95. He was a young boy. The year Danny was born? Uh, was yeah. Danny's age? Wow. He's, uh, Danny's 20... older. Cause, uh, yeah, I think Danny... he was born in 95. Yeah, Danny's older by the months. Uh, oh, by months, okay. This guy's uh, been December. Okay, wow. Okay. All right then, Danny's older than Timothy Chalamet. Okay, yeah. um, cool. Well, he looks younger. I don't know Hollywood. 100%. Hollywood. It's the makeup. Yeah, it's the makeup. So anyway, it's, we're getting off track here. But man, what a fun grand story! I, I remember telling Roth earlier we hung out today, and I was telling him that um, you know, very few movies have maybe like have encapsulated or like have surpassed the grand scope of like that desert feel in Lawrence of Arabia. Um, you know, that filmmaking, the cinematography of that film, of course, heralded very highly by everyone since then. That, you know, it shows all this desert stuff really amazingly. And I think this movie did uh, on par, if not better. I really liked uh, all the landscapes in this movie. A lot yeah. of great visuals. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what else to really go for. I think we should, you guys want to get into spoilers and then talk more about the, the plot details and then the sci fi stuff or. What do you guys want to do? Um, sure. Yeah. Well, if you got something else to say before spoilers, this is what I'm trying to say. Let's um, I'm trying to think. No, I mean, I, I don't know. No, no, we can get into spoilers because I think we'll just touch base before getting into it. All right. So let's do spoilers for Dune 2021 starting now. They're not human. They're brutal. What if I'm not dead? You'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. Come on! My son. I know you. Tonight the bloodline ends forever. Kill them all. This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Only together can we stand a chance. Um, you know, we often joke when we come back from spoilers and say they all die. A lot of fuckers die, though. Dude, so much <laughs> death. <laughs> a lot of like, people die. Who co-wrote this? Uh, so, uh, someone, the, George R. R. Martin, probably. He likes what, killing yep, out characters. Yeah. Um, damn. It was so much blood has been spilled. So, I mean, like, from like what two people? Wait, what? 
Aside from two people, everyone pretty much died. Oh no, but no, a lot of people survived. But like, if you, but, but oh, you mean like two people from their house? Yes. Yeah. No. Well, I guess yeah. I don't know what happened to um. He did. To Thanos, whatever his real name. Thanos. No, no, the actor. Shai Halud got him. No, well, he went into battle with all his men. Remember, on the night of the attack, and oh, we yeah, never saw right. him again. And I think that could be on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Um, I forgot his name. He's on Deadpool. He's on it's tons of movies. Whatever. I forget his name. Um, so he might be alive. But my Jason Momoa, though, I've never Brolin? felt... Brolin. Yeah, Josh Brolin. Thank you. Josh <laughs> Brolin. You're right. Thank you. I was just driving me nuts. I could look it up, but I don't have the thing up, and I'm just talking. Um, so, but Jason Momoa, though, he really killed it. Now, you know, it's like another person who's been validated since, since his stint... No, I never saw. I don't care about Aquaman, so Oof. I never saw it. Better, it's better uh, you didn't. Yeah, it's fine. See, exactly. It's what I'm saying. Like I, I've, I've never seen him really redeem it as a, as an actor beyond uh, Cal Drogo. And Cal Drogo is meant to look as a brutish man who can't talk. So, like, you know, I haven't seen much of him. I don't, I don't know this character so much, but like this actor, I mean. But he killed it in this movie. He was so, yeah. it was so sad when he died. He killed it and got killed. Yeah. Yeah. He really did, and. uh yeah, it was so sad because I got like two scares from him. Like the first time when he was first running away from that night of the attack, I'm like, I'm so glad he made it out. And of course, it happens again, and he does not make it out of that one. So, but man, it was so cool. Um, yeah, this is a, a case of like political sabotage, right? A lot of politics in this. It's, really I was about to say that it's so, so heavy in politics, but it's not done. Like it's it's not it's stuffy. all it's all in the background. It's not None stuffy, of it's exactly. stuffy at all. No, no, no. It's all like yes, it's motivated by political things. They do talk about it politically and stuff, but it's not you know episode one Star Wars where oh, right. you're literally watching the Senate oh, right exactly. It's not it's not that. It's just like there is politics involved. It's just it, it's just like this cutthroat version of politics. He they are basically sent there to die, you know. Yeah. Um, to for failure essentially because they yeah. know this is what's going to happen they know the next step of what's going to happen once they put the, that family in but at the same time what do you say you know are you going to defy the guy and you're, you're like you're asking yourself to die regardless so i don't know right and you know it's, it's and it's about that but it's also about it has a very house of cards tinker taylor soldier spy feel also with the villains because in order for these villains to succeed you know i don't mean the the emperor who we never made i mean you never meet em- the emperor we go to his Homeworld, I think, once when it comes to that, um, the leader of that cult that has that power to influence others. I forget. Sorry. I don't remember all the names for everything. But, you know, but we never see the emperor. We don't know anything about him, really. We just know that because of him and his jealousy for the Atreides clan, um, Homeworld, you know, they're too powerful. They're too nice. They're too fucking rich. You know, they need to be killed. He's jealous. That's what the guy said earlier before we found out that they were all going to get right. killed. Um, yeah, but it takes that guy, the main bad guy in this movie, um, uh, for, uh, the Baron, I think, right? They call him um, the Oil Baron. Basically, he's like the oil equivalent of what we have here in on Earth. He's the oil, of, right, of the dust of the sand. I mean, essentially, yeah. I mean, roughly. I mean, this is what I'm saying. It's very relating to our world. You can relate a lot of the things here as to there. You know, it's like it's like if uh, an oil baron of ExxonMobil found out that a coup was going to happen that will replace president they, that would favor your 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 rise to pilfer this ocean full of oil you know so you take advantage at the right time you know same thing they're doing the same thing except on a bigger scale <laughs> involving an entire entire planets you know yeah um and it's much more crushing because um 
because of all the because throughout the whole way the whole movie is entirely except for a few times when they go around to other places the whole movie is entirely about this family the family you're about to see get skewered skinned killed you know um hindered right all this stuff i mean they're Oscar Isaac dies pretty horribly. It's a badass yeah. death. It's but a badass death. Horribly. When that doctor did that, I was like, "You fucking asshole!" If it wasn't for you, for this stupid pie in the sky thing, like you know, he's gonna kill your wife or if she's not dead already. It was ridiculous, but like he still had that one little ice in the hole. Yeah, um, gave him a good way out. That was such a tense scene. That whole thing yeah. with him lying on his back naked and. And the dude like hunches down, I'm like oh my god, it's working. And I really thought he was gonna die because again, I never read the book. Um, and he doesn't like, god damn it. But still, we got him good though. Looks like not good enough. No, not good. No, not good enough. But Dave Bautista is a bad guy though. That's also kind of new. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it depends on your perspective. He, he might be doing a good thing on his. Well, I mean, I guess if you are a staunch capitalist only, like, well, they took advantage of a, you know, then yeah, I guess you're on his side. But that's you're watching the wrong movie because <laughs> the movie's clearly on the, on the side of right, whatever. Um, you know what I mean? He also looks. I don't know, this, this movie feels like I, I want to put it like in a weird. Um, it does feel like it's a. It's obviously you know. It feels like it's like a. It feels like it's a super advanced movie, like with with all the uh, with all the what's it called uh, shields that they have, the weapons that they use, you know, mm-hmm. and they are the the mining resources and all these cool things that you get to see, right? Even like the cheapest shit looks crazy, right? Um, but then you see like the world also is just like it. You see like the universe is. Because this, this universe is obviously really unique. Like, it has its own, like, stuff going on as well at the same time. Um, and I'm just so curious because it's, like, it also reminds me very much so, like, um, oh, Jesus, who am I? I'm trying to remember, like, a religious movie or a figure besides Jesus. Um, oh, Muhammad? Passion of the Christ? Jesus. No, 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 no. Like, where it's... Uh, you know, he's the chosen one. That's what he is. That's what he's coming to be. Well, he's like Neo. Uh, yeah, there you go. It would be like Neo. It, I, I, it is. The second they said the one, I'm like, oh, it's Skywalker. like a Neo thing. Skywalker. <laughs> Skywalker. That's another good one, yeah. It is. It is. But it's like, it's like I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's like all these things are, you know, all had an orgy and then made a child. And this is it. A little bit. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, that's probably why it like, yeah. hits a lot of notes that is interesting. But it's also like, it's all still unique. Yeah, it feels Nothing. very unique. It does feel like it's if it came from Earth, like from let's say this is going to happen ten eight thousand years from now, because I think they show a date like ten the year ten thousand something. So I'm like, oh, is it eight thousand years from now? You know, it's, right. it, it, it's believable that it could come from that point, from where we are now to that, sure. because that's how much of a difference there is. I mean, yeah. eight thousand years is a long fucking time. We changed seemingly so much in ten years. Um, it, do, it does remind me a little yeah. bit of uh, what's that show that came out on HBO, the Wolf one. Uh, oh yeah, yes, uh, um, raised by wolves. Raised by wolves. Yeah. Yes, I feel very similar to that too. I have that. Um, I have that very similar vibe of like. But even how... that was like, too early for this movie. <laughs> no, 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 I yeah. would agree. But I'm just saying it does. It does have that like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. houses vibe or very religious aspect. Like everyone follows this one thing, even though it's a whole universe. Right. Um, but Star Wars has that vibe too. It's just more yeah. actionized. But there's more so. proof about it too. It's almost like there's three different factions. Uh, there is like there's war, the war faction, the warrior faction, and then yeah. there is the religious faction. In this case, personified mainly by 
you know, their Catholicism, if you want to call it, which is much more selective, involves this people that I'm not going to butcher the name of as like a, a real name to it, B'nai Geshet, something, um, that actually involves like this power persuasion ability. And I don't know what they're about yet, but they've introduced quite a bit on that. Well, they so. even show that they have more influence than right. probably probably the emperor almost, yeah. right? Yeah, but which reminds me of, not Catholicism necessarily, but the main dominant religion that leads into having in God we trust in our dollar bills, like that influential as well. No, no, it was, no, it, uh, it, no, it very, mu- it very <laughs> much reminds me of like watching any show back in the, you know, of England with King Richard. Oh, yes, right? It reminds right. me a lot of that. That's where we're like, you know what, yeah. let me, let me talk to the Vatican. Let me that's talk to the better. Pope that's and, you know, better. see where I can do it. It's, it, very, it reminds me a lot of that. Yes. So. Yes. And the third faction is actual like business capitalism. It's actual like, like power and money amassed through selling and whatever. In this case, with the sand being the main thing, and the sand, the red sand thing, the 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 sparkle, whatever they call it, spice, spice. Thank you. The spice, sparkle, sparkle spice, um, baby spice. Uh, to piggyback on Luke's joke, um, it's uh, it reminded me of that. What is the name of that uh, that uh, material that's crucial for cell phones that is located in very key areas on Earth? That's very expensive. Oh shit! Um, yeah, they found the mine somewhere. Five G. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> You're an idiot. Uh, I'll look it up. Huh? Russia has a shit ton. Like it's what vibranium. Could... No, fuck you. But it's like the vibranium of this Double. universe, of that universe. Like it reminds me so much of that, except that it's located only on one planet, right? And so it is. It's a gold rush. It is a, a crazy eight thousand year in the future gold rush, and this is what it looks like. You know, and the fact, and then above all that, those are the three like factions of the of the universe. Is how universe works through these three things, and whatever's left over, it's either in poverty or dead. And then the, above all those are the emperor. The emperor clearly has all all the power of whatever he says. So is law. They all have to do it. You know, I think that if Atreides, uh, the house of Atreides had um, declined this opportunity to go and be the stewardships of. Fuck what's Spice the name land? Of the planet? Spice land. Let's just go with Spice land. Spice world. No, I'm not saying that one. Um, you know, if he had declined <laughs> it, he obviously would have suffered greatly in political capital, maybe, or even money. Maybe he would lead to his death. For all I know, declining such an offer, even if it's offered as opposed to order to you, maybe there's a difference there, a wiggle room thing. But even if he denied it, you know, he, could, he couldn't have. I mean, there's too much of a great opportunity to do it. I mean, there's no way out. There's no way. There, was, there were lambs to a slaughter. And it was super sad. The whole thing was super sad. From the very first time he swats that fly thing, I'm like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. Like, don't get used to this palace or this city um, at all. But um, It's not Palladium, see. is it? Palladium, that's it. Yeah. Pretty they sure found the, a big resource thing for Palladium, I think, somewhere in South America. I forgot. I think they're trying to figure that out right now. Um, don't not want to be a part of that clusterfuck. Although I would totally take like a pound of that shit and keep it somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, palladium is found right now in uh, the main places is Russia, yeah, Canada, Russia. and like, South the Africa. Arctic Circle in Russia. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, I did a whole review on that. But, uh, I, yeah. I accidentally researched a town that was heavy on that shit. I, I, I remember there was a <laughs> product. I, I knew that too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But anyways, yeah. sorry. Anyway, so yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. The spice reminds me of that. For oh, I hear you. Yeah, unobtainium. I got you. Yeah. Unobtainium. Great. Right. Many movies have done this. Obviously. 
yeah, no, it's not, it's not a, a fucking ungovernable thing. Yeah. So here's my, here's my, here's my thing for you guys. So this movie Dune, or this, the book is based on Dune. Um, is famous for being a fucking grand story, a grand uh-huh. series of books that expands time and and space and many people and characters, and therefore is famous also for being called one of the one of the movies that one of the books that is completely unadaptable. Is that so, something that was jokes on them? We adapted it. Right. No, that's a I very just, I, that's a common just, famous thing. Yes. I, I just think it's one of those movies that needed technology. Uh, okay. Good. good. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, because I, I just feel like obviously, like watching the documentary of Hodorowsky's Dune, and then I've obviously the I hate to say it, commercial failure or whatever, critical failure, everything about the original Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, says that we're missing something. Just we couldn't get that. We couldn't get whatever we needed to show on picture and obviously just you know you can't cram everything into one you know we knew this was going to be a movie that's going to be long because it's a big series you just can't make everything even it has two parts guys like you know what i'm saying like and i feel like it you could probably have wrapped it up in one movie if you really wanted to i think Um, yes yeah i agree too just caught a lot of fat right but besides the point but what i'm saying is that this movie obviously needs needs the space and needs the it needed the proper production, and then he did something with technology. It made that easier. Don't get me wrong; it's probably more still expensive mm-hmm. as fuck, but it just made it easier to do something that to show an image, you know, to show something that we couldn't have shown practically, especially back then when they wanted to make it. When it was like the highlight of what do we get? Uh, we had a bunch of movies, a bunch of uh, sci-fi movies back then, you know. So I don't know. What do we have? Blade Runner, uh, yeah. Star Wars, all that stuff. Right? I can't think of it. You know, right, and, right, and, and obviously, the they, at the time when those movies were made, that was considered to be fucking cutting edge, right? Yeah, no, um, among it. other things. And I get it. You know, it's times are changing. Times are always a moving. You know, you feel like you can make the, this unmakeable book. Why not? Right? Um, and there's been other examples of people making unmakeable books successfully. Not many. That's the whole point. They're hard. No, they are hard, yeah. But like this you, one I nails mean, it so well. I, I mean, I, I just, can't imagine the book is, I don't know how different the book is. Neither do I, but I just feel like, obviously, you need whoever is your main person. You, you need, you need obviously, a really good head, you know, head person. Yeah, you need a good voice. Yeah, it's, yeah, you really do. Cause, and you need somebody who understands it really well. It's not just somebody who's picking it up, you know? I just... They can't be like, oh, well, this guy's a good director. Let's let him do it. No, like, if he's not into the project, don't even let him do it. Right. Like, Otherwise, you get the game. Ga- it, it almost exactly. It almost has to be a passion project. I hate to say it, or else you get yeah, season eight of Game of Thrones or whatever. But I would say six on forward. But yeah, um, <laughs> well, specifically the last one. Yeah, obviously, that's a turret in the mouth. Um, agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I agree that technology has made this easier to make. And you know, nowadays. Um, Another recent topic of ours, Ruff, is that uh, movies are much cheaper to make now. Um, That's that is a very recent topic of ours. Yeah, like the landscape of some of that stuff will cost a, a hell of a lot more ten years ago or fifteen. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, it would have a hell of a lot, like an insane amount of more. You know, like you think of a movie like Life of Pi, fantastically made, and the the graphics still very much hold up. Still, it's not that old of a movie, but it's not that young of a movie either. In comparison right. to the technology we're in today, right, right. but you know that movie was famous controversially for all the people it used to make the graphics work, but they underpaid a lot of his workers and all the shit, and it was such a painful thing. I'm not saying that doesn't happen today; still, it's happening mainly in the gaming community. But you know, 
a lot less of it. And that's to do because it's cheaper to make them. You know, you could get away with, you could make a movie for $10 million and get a lot more out of it, you know, yep. than $100 million. You know, or $100 million will get you what $200 million would have gotten you 10 years ago. It's much a big, big, bigger difference. So uh, besides all that, you know, you also got like a lot of great fucking stars ready to be joining in this movie, you know, and coupled with the reputation of the book being famous for generations now, two generations, three of them. Um, and uh, this filmmaker, right? This Canadian, French Canadian filmmaker who like fucking came in and did all these other movies successfully, uh, finally with Arrival and Blade Runner. Yeah. Which is a remake that no, a sequel that no one would ever thought was possible to make correct, you know, well or, or, or distinctly. And I think that's probably like, right? with Arrival and with Blade Runner is a huge one for mm-hmm. them to even greenlight this movie. Um, I would say for him. But Arrival does a great job of, like, it's original. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's an original story of two. The, it's not a sequel. It's not there's one before this. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Even though it was uh, still a book, correct? Uh, but uh, the Blade Runner? No, Arrival. Arrival? I don't know. I'm sure. If you say it is, then I believe you. I don't know. <sighs> no, I thought it was, but I'm not too sure, though. Um, sure story. Yeah, so it's just, like, with him doing those works, it does set up, like, Hey, I want to do Dune, and I can see a studio. Obviously, we're here at the point where he is a studio going like, "Yeah, well, you know, we can see you being able to pull this off at least somewhat." You know, yeah. um, for someone who's like an unwritable or an undirectable or uncreatable movie. Yeah, yeah, Ben, this movie just really works for me. I really love the. What do you guys think of the dream sequence and stuff? I mean, from the, uh, the get go, did you believe actually, it? I actually would say that's probably the most annoying part of the movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the least because at first it's cool, but then we get it a lot. Like, and I get we're supposed to just like we're supposed to take the perspective of of uh, the main character a lot, you know, Paul. Uh, and uh, I just feel like at one point we get so much of it that I feel like it's a repeat of a lot of things. Although we're getting ex- a little bit more snippets of it, of like what's going on, like things are changing or we're getting a little bit more of the dream that I just feel like it's, um, I feel like I got beat over the head with it. Hmm. It didn't feel bad once the dream started changing, but I thought at the beginning it was like a lot of the same stuff. Okay. Cool. So, what do you think, Luke? Did it bother you similarly or not? I was just confused by it. Cause I wasn't sure. Is he, uh, is like a prophecy. Is he seeing the future or is it just a possible outcome? Mm-hmm. And right. things kept right. changing. And I was like, okay, so he might die this way, he might die this way, or he might lead this rebellion or something. Or yes, and you know, part of the reason, and I will rewatch this movie, but part of the reason I want to rewatch it for sure is to uh, pay extra attention now that I know where things will lead, right? Um, because I caught a few of those, like especially with Jason Momoa's character, he has two different ones uh, about you know being with with the Fremen. Right, one is one dream. Right, he tells him that, and the other one is that he, that he sees his death. And um, you know, I didn't see it coming when it was happening, but of course, that tunnel where all the soldiers wearing the white plate armor, or whatever, were around him. That makes sense. He died there, um, and I caught it in that moment when the scene happened, like the reality. Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, it didn't bother me at all. I was intrigued by it because because I wasn't sure where what what it meant for sure until the test day the thing with the test and the pain and shit happened. I'm like, okay, this is some one territory shit on top of, on top of his status, 
in the in the in the world of in the universe, right? Of uh, being one of the great houses. On top of that, top of the fact, this kid is maybe not yet knowing what he is yet, but he's driven overall. He's fucking skillful. Beyond that, he has also this other thing, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, kind of a confluence of events. And I was like, is this overkill? And then the movie literally brings it up right then and there. Um, talks, touches on that saying like, yeah, we. it's like we're trying to create. It's like they're planning prophecy, which sounds like a fucking terrible thing to do. Like, don't. Sounds like a bad thing to manipulate with those powers, but whatever. They're trying that, and they may have successfully done it with this offspring with Paul. And I'm like, and it's, and I can already feel like his the beginning of that angst coming on with him. Um, or like, you know, it feels like his life is not his own. Um, we'll see where that leads. For sure, that's a setup. Um, but overall, like, yeah, it seems to be going that way. And I think the movie sold it to me. And I was with it the whole time. And I was intrigued. And I wasn't that confused, really. I just let it happen. I was just trying to see if I could catch it in time when they actually happened. But there were other things, too. It wasn't just dreams. It was like, at some point, they added in, like, visions that he was getting while awake, right? With that first sandworm thing, right? And that other one later on. Yeah, it's uh, so once like, he got interacted with yeah. the spice, he was starting to get, you know... Vision. Yeah, and if, and then the spice is talking. I assume it's the spice. I don't know what that means yet, but something's talking back to him. Right. And and I don't know if this is coming from landing on the planet, from the spice itself or all of the above, or if it's like has to do with these visions as opposed to dreams or visions more powerful than dreams. I don't know. So interesting stuff. I don't know if that everything will be answered necessarily, but I'm sure they will be tackled in the next one. So but yeah, this everything in this movie also screams like, you know, it screams spectacle, adventure. It screams change. It screams all this stuff. Um, It has a lot of enemies. A lot of anti, you know, good people and a lot of great people in it, too, and potentially. But we also see a lot of like, man, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know how far they'll go. You don't know, like, what's really going to be what's justice look like in this universe. If they win, succeed. How do you succeed? Is it a war? Is it sabotage? Is Is it stealth attacks? Is it running away? Is it hiding out? You know? So, like, I'm in it. That's why it makes me more in it for the next one. It does feel like a first chapter to a great story, and I really liked it. So, yeah, huge fan. Um, what else do you guys want to talk about? This movie lacks subtitles, and it fucking needs it so bad. Well, it's on HBO Max, and it has subtitles, so oh, I was fine it, the whole time. Oh, my God. Yeah, there were some moments about, what the fuck are they saying? Oh, uh, really? No, I got every single subtitle. I really uh, like the, the, the hand movement stuff that you have with the mother. Oh, that was kind of cool, yeah. I agree. No, I, th- I thought that was really cool. Very um, cool. I mean, the guy speaks I, like four languages. And I thought <laughs> it was kid. cool, like how... It, it There's a lot in the movie that goes on that if you pay attention to it, leads you to believe like how the world or the universe works in this, in this place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, whereas, like, she obviously trained her staff to know her, that she's going to talk in sign language. For the reasons of if I need to communicate to you in a manner where I can't communicate to you verbally, I can communicate to you like this. But, like, no one thinks that way unless if you think that you're going to... Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, that's such a defensive slash, like, so many moves ahead you have to think about, you know what I'm saying? Like, to train your staff to do that. Or to have that going. Uh, it just feels like you... 
And then obviously your son, that makes sense because it's your son. And it's just like a lot of things that happen. Like there's a lot of actions that anybody that gets close to uh, Oscar Isaac's character, you know, the Duke, like immediately is about to get killed, right? Um, yeah. Like and then little things like that. It's obviously like it's it's weird because he's of power. He has power and he has nobility. Um, within that's just his house because he's obviously the, the guy who runs the house, but within the the world and then our the world building. And he has all this, but at the same time, like he's so well protected. But why? Are, what are you afraid of at all moments? You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like he's well protected everywhere, even in his own, even in you know, back in their own home, their own home planet. I felt like he was super well protected as well. Um, it just feels like there's always like that imminent version of like I can be killed. And that's like very much of a how do I put that? That's like a Game of Thrones feeling, where like you never know if another house is going to attack. Like you're always on alert whenever yeah. you're interacting with anybody else, because you never know what they what they're going to do. Even if you are allies, you know what I'm saying? Like you'd have to be like even best friends. I could see like why you wouldn't, you know, like. Mm. But it's just it's just like really trippy. No, yeah, that it's, reminds me of the the whole Shakespearean angle I was trying I was mentioning earlier. Like this feels like it's like a throwback. It's like we've reverted. In this yeah. future, reverted back to the the days of the hierarchy, right of the of the kingship right. world. Right, they have an emperor. It but is very just much like so, just yeah. like in the old world, right? With the the king and queens of Russia, from Russia all the way to England, tons of them, and yeah. a lot of them were related to each other. They knew each other, they loved each other, hated each other, whatever for many re- different reasons, all personal, and they all involved massive scale war, or they involved the death of many people that had no nothing to do with the personal shit they had, but it happened. And I yeah. think this is the case here, but it reminded me of it in that one scene when Oscar Isaac is lying there right before he he drops the poison. Um, the the main bad guy, I forgot his name, sorry, the Baron guy. Um, he calls him cousin, like nice digs cousin. You know, kind of reminds me of like, are they all like royalty? Hmm. These houses, like, probably all somewhat related to each other. Yeah, I, I that's what you I know? thought too. What I, I, got I the, caught the same I, feeling. I, I caught the same thing where I, I guess they are like. Of nobility, and it's just like whoever, whoever's house is more influential or more powerful, can eventually become like I don't understand it emperor wise. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know that either. Yeah, is it like are we are we all related to somewhat somehow? That's why we're all nobility, right? And yeah. that, that's the case. Very much, very English. I mean, it's style, clearly right? passed down to the son of the emperor. They'll become the next emperor because they talked about him right. potentially marrying one of his daughters. No, it is. It is very yeah. much that way. But obviously, there's enough like. Where they're spaced apart, where they're like Monarchy. fifth yeah. cousins or sixth cousins, you know, whatever the case is, whatever, however far apart in the bloodline they are, they're still of the bloodline. They're just not like maybe that right. much related exactly. anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I just don't know where. Like, I don't know what what stays. What's which one's a stronger one than not? Is there incest? I'm sure there is. Like, you know, right. I don't know. <laughs> There's always the. There's always success, yeah. So yeah, it's just, there's a lot. There's a lot. Going, I feel like we get a lot of information without the information being told to you, um, which is really cool. And I've always loved, you know, stories or anything that throws me into their story. And I'm like, figure it out. This is our world. We're just going to tell you what's going on, and you're going to learn things as you go along. Which makes sense because I'm in your world. Why would I need you to explain to me, you know, things that happened? Don't explain to me those things. Just explain to me what's happening with the characters. That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll figure it out everything else. Obviously, things as you're explained to somebody, that's fine. Some things you have to say, but not everything. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah, hella interesting. Really love it. I mean, it's like a weird combination of 
personal history that we, you know, because it's all based on, I mean, it's all a human wrote the books. And it's not like it's based on real aliens or anything. But like, um, right. you know, it's a great like way to like show history through the future, like kind of repetitious cycles of different things. Right. Um, no matter how far along we are, we have the same problems. I mean, jealousy is really the thing that starts this food thing. And jealousy and greed are the top two sins that everyone commits here that leads to all this death and destruction. 100%. You know, and those are original, like OG seven cents, right? <laughs> so, like, you know, it's all still human. It's my point. Still fucking up, same way. Doesn't matter how much power we get. <laughs> you know, still fascinating, of course. Not to say we watch these, all these movies, stories, human stories all the time, but like, it's still fascinating as fuck. But like, yeah, same issues. Um, but I think uh, that's roughly all I got. I mean, I want to. I feel like I want to say more, but. I just saw it very recently. I'm still jazzed about it. I'm still kind of hyped on it. So, um, and, and I think any more gushing would just be overkill. So, anything else you guys want to say or mention? Or maybe something negative you guys want to bring up about the movie? The lack of subtitles? Yeah. Oh, right. Besides that, which we heard already. Uh, Zen- well, what's her face? Uh, Zendaya's character. She was kind of just useless, I think. No, it was her I, starting. Just, it was like her starting. It's like yeah, no, I just stand like there and look her. very attractive. No, <laughs> I just feel like uh, I feel like uh, the movie was setting up a lot more scenes with Zendaya, and they're like, "It's part two, baby. It's part two. Yeah, she's definitely going to be. A, yeah, exactly. It, it, but it right. is very much like that because you're like, when you get to the part where you beat her, you're like, man, this movie's been going on for a while already. Like, like, when are we gonna? Left. Yeah. Well, we don't. I don't know. Last twenty minutes left. If I keep track of time, you know. But when I'm watching it, I'm like, man, I wonder how much more is there in this movie. And then you're like, oh fuck, we're done. Like, mm-hmm. you really don't get that much time with her. Yeah. Exactly. And the, right. And then the things that she says when you meet her, compared to the things that you've seen in her dream in his dreams, are like, I guess, way off, or what you expect her to say, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah, way off, of course. Yeah, and it makes sense. She she has a whole revolutionary look to look look to her. Um, and um, no, I was gonna say something. That she reminded me of something, but I lost it. So I'm just gonna skip it for now. Um, all right, guys. So that's it for our review of Dune. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna review Wes Anderson's latest film, which is called The French Dispatch. Let's find out what that movie is about and stay with us. I'm naked, Mrs. Cremens. I can see that. Why are you crying? Tear gas. Also, I suppose I'm sad. Please run away. I feel shy about my new muscles. Go tell your parents you're home. They're worried. I'm expected back on the barricades. I didn't see any barricades. Well, we're still constructing them. Uh huh. What are you writing? Our manifesto? I told them not to invite Paul, by the way. Maybe you're sad, but you don't seem lonely to me. Exactly! I saw you at the protest on top of a bookcase taking notes. Is there a story in us? For the people of Kansas? Maybe. Then you should study our resolutions. Or anyway, will you proofread it? My parents think you're a good writer. Give it to me. It's a little damp. Physically or metaphorically? Both. Based on the cover and the first four sentences. Don't criticize my manifesto. Oh, you don't want remarks? I don't need remarks, do I? I only asked you to proofread it because I thought you'd be even more impressed by how good it already is. Let's start with the typos. 
A love letter to journalists sat in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine. That's right. That is uh, the French Dispatch uh, written and directed by Wes Anderson, starring a lot of fucking people. Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Leah Sidhu. We just talked about Leah Sidhu recently. Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Lina Kudori, Jeffrey Wright, Matthew Almerich, Stephen Park, Bill Murray, of course, Owen Wilson, of course, Bob Balaban, Henry Winkler, Lois Smith, Tony Revolori, a lot of fucking people. Elizabeth Moss. Christoph Waltz. Um... Elizabeth Moss, a little bit. Yes, you're right. I mean, I'm going through the names here. Rupert Friend, Tom Hudson, a lot of people that you know, too, that people don't even... Willem Dafoe, Edward Norton, Liev Schreiber, Sorcy Ronan. I know that's not how you pronounce her name, but I can't do Gaelic. Um, yeah, a lot of people. Jason Schwartzman's in this, too, of course. Dude. Angelica What's Houston? her face? Leah Sado? Yes, I mentioned her. Leah Sado. Uh, Angelica Houston is the narrator. You know, like Alec Baldwin was for Royal Tenenbaums. Right. Yeah, it's a huge cast. He loves huge casts. I don't think he can make a movie with five people. Just five people. He can never do it. Nah, he would. He wouldn't make it. Well, actually, he kind of did. When you the think Journey about Limited? it, Limited. Yes. Yeah. Which is arguably his worst movie. That's probably why. Mm, after seeing this one, I might disagree. Oh wow! Ooh, interesting. Ooh. <laughs> so, thank you for that tee up. What did you think of this movie, Luke? Um. <clears throat> Um, I really enjoyed the first two stories since it's, you know, three different stories. The third one, I kind of lost me a little, so I didn't care for it as much. I thought there was four. Is there four? There's so the, four uh, stories. So technically. The, oh, there's the whole French dispatch office type of thing. Oh, the intro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the intro. I mean, but then there's like the, the, the actual pieces that they're writing. I've. That's what you know is more of a thing in my head. Okay, so let's so go. I over really like the uh, well, the first one is what the first story. Yeah, it's the uh, the prison one with the guy uh, with Benicio del Toro's character. What was the second story? Yeah. Just to cap, just to have it in my head. Oh, it's called. Uh, so, uh, so first, the first one is the concrete masterpiece. Mm-hmm. The second one is revisions to a manifesto. That's all oh, right. That's the Timothy Chalamet yes. revolution run. Okay. What's the other <laughs> one? And the third one is the private dining room of the police commissioner. Is that the one where the kid gets kidnapped? Yes. Okay. You're right. That, those are three. Right. Okay. It felt like four stories. You're right. Okay, cool. I'm with you now. So you like the first okay. two. Not the I just think because the beginning also has like an intro for it. That's why. Yeah, it does. And it has like two different. It felt like two different intros too of two different people or whatever. Continue. Sure. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, the first two I think were amazing. The third one just kind of lost me. I didn't feel that like normal Wes Anderson story to it. Visually, it's it's all there. It's one thousand percent there. You you cannot tell me this is not a Wes Anderson movie. But yeah, just did not care for that third story that much. So okay. So did it sour you because it's the third story? Well, that's spoiling it, of course. No, I still think the the first two held up really well. I just, uh, you know, usually I like everything he does pretty much. So, oh, I see. I, it was I just that compared one compared to Wes Anderson, <laughs> not like compared to a regular movie. Got it. 
<laughs> to a non Wes Anderson movie. Right. Okay. Right. Maybe I just need to rewatch it. Maybe I just missed something. Maybe it's, my heart wasn't in the right place at the moment. You know, a, a little depressor. Uh, who knows? <laughs> you, you would know. <laughs> but do um, we really? Do no, we? no, no, no. I guess not. Um, okay. Interesting. Uh, Ralph, what what did you think of this movie? Um, I'm I kind of mirror uh, Luke here. I like the first story a lot. The first story was great. I think uh, Benicio del Toro is the most contained I've ever seen him. At the same time, display a lot of emotion, display a lot of stuff going on, um, which is kind of interesting for that character. Uh, and then I uh, for the sec for the second story. Um, uh, which one was the second story? I got one. revisions to a manifesto. Yeah, the manifesto. Yeah. yeah, that one was cool. I liked the what's her name in it. The Francis McDormand. Yeah, Francis McDormand. Oh, uh, I, like, I like the it's other girl. Ha- it's hard to not like Francis McDormand. Yeah, um, he doesn't mean sexually, Luke. Okay. <laughs> yeah, did that not everything mean sexually. is sexually. Okay? <laughs> did not mean sexually at all. And then um, the, the third story, uh, what's it called? I thought was the most. Um, how do I put it? I feel like the most I can show this one to my child. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So I felt like that that one was more of the uh, especially when the boys talk to the prostitute. <laughs> especially, <laughs> right? So I just felt it just felt like more like obviously his like fantastic Mr. Fox stuff going on. I love dogs. Okay, in okay. comparison, um, mm-hmm. if we're comparing obviously his work because that's what we're gonna do, right? Yeah, I, I guess it. Yeah, um, and then uh, but overall, like. Overall, the movie was it was still like whimsical. It was it had that whimsical Wes Anderson feel. Um, it just felt like we were watching the VHS version of the French, you know, of, of of Wes Anderson. It's just short stories, whatever he wanted to do, but contained in this world, right? right. Um, so that that was cool. I mean, to see obviously some things aren't going to hit, some things aren't right. It's just life. Um, what I overall like about it is just the world building, actually. Of just this town, you know, and the magazine itself. Um, that was really cool about the movie, and I like how we have a lot of information from all the stories that we get. And uh, yeah, I, the cast is phenomenal um, when you think about it. Just like some of these people working together and the stuff that happens. Uh, I just, I just thought it was really great, really great cast overall. Um, but yeah, I had a good time, I guess. Um, I don't know where it falls in his line. I'd have to give it more thought. So, yeah. Um, okay. For me, I you know I don't know what it is also, but uh, I also felt similar in the, well, about the third move, the third short, the third short film, short thing. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it was something about it in the, maybe, I mean, we also in theaters, but like, it, it was making me fall asleep, the third one. And I don't know if it's a story or if it's me, probably most likely me. But I just wasn't feeling it so much either. And I actually lost what was happening. I'm like, oh, they're in a chase and it's animated. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, so, I mean, I have to, I kind of have to rewatch it again. Um, I, I do feel like that story is but more complicated. There's a, it like starts off of something else. And then mm-hmm. it leads to something else. And then if you miss something, it's one of those like, oh, oh okay, we're here now. Kind yeah. So, you I know, know, I think um, a huge 
component, maybe an overall component for the public, like why his movies work or don't work, uh, Wes Anderson's movies, is that, um, you know, he seems to bring quirk out of deep trauma and deep issues, right? Like from these issues that an, that a normal movie or another kind of movie would like focus on in a more traditional way or would do it differently or wouldn't make a joke about it so much. He instead makes it a quirk to, to emphasize his, his screen, you know, to emphasize with his camera and his movements and his set design, his set design is obvious as always. I mean, not obvious as always his fucking, you know, detail to the core. Um, and that's who he is. He is a tedious guy. He is like that guy whose room is, always looks a certain way and it's always like tedious in that certain way you know it must be very impossible for him to write a per- write a character and then show a character that is completely disorganized because everything in this movie is so organized <laughs> um you know that came across really hard harder than in any of the other movies recently anyway um for some reason it came up to me more in my head but yeah i mean it's it's definitely uh it's definitely more of wes anderson and I guess, you know, I kind of feel like it's starting to, I mean, not starting to, it's been, it's been that way for three movies now, at least for me, where like, I feel like he is having um, a similar issue to me, the same way a Tarantino movie is having an issue for me, where like, they don't really want to go away from the usual norm. And I feel like I want to see something kind of new from Wes Anderson. And this is new only technically. But it doesn't feel any different than another Wes Anderson movie. You know what I'm saying? But he's so quirky and different already from everyone else that I feel like we just want something like that in general, like the audiences. But I also feel like I I don't think he's really challenging himself. Himself, yeah. Or therefore us like to actually experience you, something new. You, you I feel think, like <laughs> yeah, that's why I feel like you know I, I made this comparison to another friend uh, about the French Dispatch, and I was like, oh, you know, comparing it to other movies and stuff. And I was like, Wes Anderson, kind of like other filmmakers, not everyone, but others, were like they're like a band, you know, that have like twenty albums. The first two or three albums you started listening from, whatever age they are in, those are your favorites because of the first ones you heard. You know, yeah. Yeah, not because of anything special. I'm not saying they're not special, but like, that's it. You remember your first album and that's your favorite one because it's the first one you heard. That makes sense. It happens all the time in, in, with bands. And I think that's the case with Wes Anderson. Like I saw Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou first, mm-hmm. a give or take, obviously give or take. I saw Rushmore around that time too. Um, and those two are my favorites by far. I got the most out of them, not just in the sense that of, of his Wes Anderson isms, his quirkiness. I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah. more like I actually responded to him like in a in an emotional way, you know. And I haven't really responded to his movies emotionally speaking that way. I did get something in Isle of Dogs, no lie, for sure. But otherwise, I didn't. I haven't really. And I think it's because of that reason, you know, that whole band reason, like it's, then he's just making the same movie. I mean, he's not making the same movie guy. I know he's not. There's a lot of work. I'm not saying any of that, but I'm just saying that these are different stories, but they feel exactly the same. So I feel like there's like a bit of a, I don't know, like 
motivational thing. I don't know what's going on. I feel like he needs to actually shake it up, and I don't think he's done that here. If anything, he leaned more into his usualness, right? He needs to direct the next Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that would work ever, because that guy is... Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying, especially when you made that Tarantino reference, Mm -hmm. where uh, they're in their own space, 100%. Yeah. And uh, it's like Tarantino's like, I know my next movie, a Western. Bet you've done that already. Right. I, I just feel like uh, they're in their own space 100%, mm-hmm. and, and especially here at Wes Anderson. Uh, I just feel like, well, he, I think he's at the point where he's just doing what, no, what, it's just him. That's all it is. Yeah. He's there's, being there, on I don't, I don't know if there's, I don't know if it's if it's a challenge, if you want to put it that way, or if it's, uh, if it's just, I think that's just it. That's his style, unless if someone else is pushing him to do something different. But the thing is, he's left to his own devices. He also doesn't really like uh, genres, I don't think. Like, sometimes he'll do something crazy, um, and lately he's done that more. Like, I think of, um, I think of uh, what's the one with Ralph Fiennes? Uh, what's the name of that movie? Where he's the main... The Grand Budapest Hotel. When, oh, that was a good one. In that movie, there's a few William Dafoe, like... Like, this is actually kind of scary. Serial killer movie scenes, almost. It's not quite there, but it's almost there. And I'm like, damn, what's that? That's a little dark. Um, that I kind of I got little flares of something different there. And the thing is that he doesn't really work in a, in a genre. I mean, it's comedy drama. Dramedy. It's what it is. It's, that's yeah. what he's always done. It's almost his own genre. It doesn't even make sense. Uh, he'll treat a scene where a mental patient that's a, that be, that's there because he's, he's killed two people. Um you know, doing art and then seducing or not seducing or letting be seduced by the guard to pose for him. Like, you'll treat something like that as the same as a child being kidnapped, you know, and in, a, in an apartment full of weirdos. And they'll treat it the same as a car chase later on where, you know, it crashed. Like, it all feels the same. And I think he might. I think, I don't know, I don't think he, you think he should follow some sort of strict, I don't know what he should do. I mean, he shouldn't ask me anything for sure, but like, mm. I feel like he doesn't really follow any kind of genre that he's in or that he wants to be in one. He wants to constantly defy that or I don't know, he constantly makes it so much his own that it just completely goes away from that genre. I don't know what's going on, but um you know, it's kind of like, it kind of got to me this, this time around, this movie kind of got to me. It kind of bothered me a little bit. You know, I was like, I'm just watching the same movie. It feels the same as the other ones. I'm not getting that sense. I'm not getting that. And because they're three short stories, you know, in a longer movie, like in the Grand Budapest Hotel, I really felt for Ralph Fiennes' character by the end. You know, it took that long, but I found it. In this one, since they're all different, there's like a different cast every other, every 30 minutes. It didn't, it didn't give me a chance to feel that way. So maybe I had more thought. Or more opportunity to feel this this thing I'm complaining about. Um, mm. That's not to say that the movie's bad at all. It's fantastically well made, Jesus, and fantastically well acted. Um, this is a great cast. Obviously, we love it, and I agree with you, Luke. I think the first story is fucking awesome. We need to Toro with the growling and everything was great. Oh yeah, and I really <laughs> love Celeste to do. I mean, she's killing it lately with No Time to Die and um, everything. I didn't um, see that one. She is killing it, and she's banging body. Yeah, yeah, and also she was—I mean, her body was shown a lot more in the blue. She seems like, a, yeah. What? Uh, she reminded me like the the, the poor man's uh, Scarlett Johansson. 
No, don't say that. It's completely different. Yeah. They're different people. Why would you say that? They even look different. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that means. But you know what? I will say to you that she was very en- en- enticing and kind of like mysterious, and you kind of want her approval in the movie. But at the same time, it's so like. French. So French. So French. So, so French. French. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, I could never see her. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, to say the movie's bad or anything. I, lo- I really like the intro overall. He always does those intros really well about like introducing the world and the organization mm-hmm. and all the details of where, how everything works. Always gives you some, some side details about something that no one would care about, but you find amusing because it's telling you, you know, he does it a lot. Yeah, but like it draws you in. I think it's like that yeah. side that side piece of information yeah. is that random piece of information that oh well this person walks their dog at this time all the time or whatever bullshit. You're like, why do I need to know that? Like or whatever information you get from the place. It's it just helps like that world build attractiveness of it draws you into like you're personally invested in it. Yeah. So I don't even think we're gonna have a spoiler session for this because they're all short stories. So we're just going to carry on. We're not going to spoil any of the short stories because I think it feels weird because I still like spoiling something. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to, I'm just saying that now. Um, yeah. So what would you, so what, uh, anything resonated with you guys emotionally? I should ask that question. Luke? No, I'm pretty dead inside as we all know. <laughs> no, but that doesn't happen. That happens. So, I mean, movies do get to you sometimes, you know, and I'm not saying emotion like it made you cry. Did you feel something? No. Um, or are you getting more of what I was saying about this movie feeling like the others? <laughs> no, nothing emotional. No, okay, no. rough. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. I want to. F- I want to say like the part with uh, um, the Timothy Chalamet uh, and the relationship that she has. He has with uh, Francis McDormand. Um, I would say, especially towards the end, without spoiling the story, uh, like there's an interaction that all all three of them have. Who's the girl? Um, oh, I don't remember her name, but uh, yeah, she was very cute. <laughs> um, she was, yeah, yeah, for sure. With the, but the, I just forgot the helmet, right? With the yeah, with the yeah, with the helmet. Uh, Lina Kudry, sure, sure, the Algerian actress, yes. So, yeah, so. She, all I, I, that there's like an interaction at the end that they have that kind of like made me feel like oh that's that's sad like mm-hmm. sad slash like you know um, I don't know it's like a, it's like a you know a sacrifice that was made for herself that I felt mm-hmm. like I, I could understand that like but at the same time like well that's the, that's the life she chose overall wait a minute that's the same kid from Dune. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are technically reviewing two Timothy Chalamet movies. Technically, yeah, technically. technically. But besides that, the other ones were just—I I don't know—everything just doesn't give you enough time to attract to the characters, mm-hmm. or you just feel like the story is going to end soon, eventually, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. And to to that question, I, I also didn't—I mean, as you guys know, I already said the whole spiel, so I didn't feel anything either. I wish I did. The only thing I would say that I did make me is that this movie made me laugh. The comedy did work. Those yeah, I also zingers, like, but the comedy, the physical now, comedy mm-hmm. that went along with everything. Oh yeah, really, I chuckled. Yeah, yeah no, I was going to say I laughed. I laughed a lot. I was, like, was going to say I felt like I'm the only, I was the one who laughed the most in my theater. Um, 
Oh, I gotta talk to you guys about that. Because, like, we went when we went to go see it. Me and Luke saw it together, and I heard him ch- chuckle sometimes. I I laugh. I didn't laugh like laugh out loud, but I was like, oh wow! Like I would react, you know, to some stuff. And like nobody in my theater reacted. I think besides Luke, and I don't know if they were reacting like on their own, low key. But they were like enough people to where I should hear something. You know, like I felt like I should hear something. It was very intimate. It wasn't that big of a theater, and then also there was. I felt like it was at around the halfway packed or something, a little less than, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know. So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, no, I really, my theater experience was very, I don't want to say very different. Did you say it was packed? I just missed it. Or was um, it? No, it was like, no. a, like around half at most. Mine um, was full. I say a third. Mine was That's, full. Oh, here's a four. Only, only the seat next to me, and maybe I guess a few others. I didn't see every seat or anything, but it was mostly full. Oh wow! And um, yeah, you know why? Because I saw it at Landmark Century. That's why. And I don't know if you guys know this, but that's a snooty, yeah, a snobby is. cinema. Yeah, but we saw it at AMC River East. No, I know so that, like, but that's a downtown. That's a different downtown. Difference. <laughs> they show everything. Everyone will go to shut up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I had know, to put up with this I, during the movie too. Like, <laughs> I went, I went there, and this happens nearly not every time, but most times when I go to the Lamar Century. I used to go there more often, but you know, not lately because well, because of COVID, but other things. Um, every time I go there, they always have like one or two showings of movies I've never heard of. <laughs> you know, like, and that's the whole point. They show very deeply indie movies and shit like that. You know, and they show some popular ones too. And French Dispatch is clearly one of the more popular ones, but. Um, you know, and they also have no time to die, sure. But, like, they really kind of just zone in on this, the indie set, the indie and foreign film side of things. Landmark Century Cinema on Clark Street, for those wondering. Um, in Chicago, in Illinois. Chicago, of course, everyone knows what we're from. Illinois. Illinois. What the yes. fuck was that? Give me your card. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, give me your state ID. <laughs> give me your state. Yeah, now you can't go anywhere. My um, ID? Okay. Shut up. Jesus, shut up. Anyway, and everyone there, I mean, I'm sure not everyone, but was white. And um, oh, so I was the only other, I think, in mine. Of a certain age. No, you age, weren't. Yeah, I was. Of a certain age. Which Wait, uh, Were you the oldest or the youngest? I was one of the youngest. <laughs> Fuck you. I was one of the youngest. <laughs> One of the youngest. A lot of couples, though. God damn, I felt like hmm, never been so. You had your right hand with you. Yeah, I did, but I'm not going out with it. Um, You know, so like that was very strange. Not very strange. It was normally strange. I always go to movies alone. It's not not a big deal. But I was one of. (laughs) I was the only one sitting alone for sure. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Everyone was with friends or with a partner. Anyway, and they were all. I could I could not even compete with the laughing. I was laughing out loud a few times, but they no, they were lockstep with with all that with me, with the comedy. Um, everyone was laughing and enjoying the movie. And they all clapped at the end, which I really hate that because it wasn't uh, worth clapping. Oh, Very okay. few movies are worth clapping. Nothing this one was not. Damn it, worth white it. people, stop doing that. Nothing is worth clapping. That? It's like it, it's like landing, especially if like, they're not like there the, to fucking see it. I don't know. It's like the, yeah. well, it's like the pilot landing there. All right, cool. Congratulations, we fucking no, made if, it. This is if, normal. If they made like, it after a, almost preventing a disaster, that no, yeah, sure, a hundred percent difference. But there's no. Fuck that. This ain't that. In a Broadway thing? Sure, because the actors are there. It makes sense. Clap. Yeah. You know, even give a courtesy clap if you didn't like it. But, like, no, it's a movie theater. 
I really hated that. And especially because it came when it came at the end, I was like, this movie's not that great. <laughs> I, I laughed a lot, but I also laugh at half baked. Doesn't mean it's my Oscar winning movie. <laughs> you know, doesn't mean it's a classic. Yeah, well, it's a classic for a lot of reasons. But yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, guys. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, great. so it was, yeah. Um, but it was great though. Some of those stories, they, I don't know if they if they got it was a joke or maybe it wasn't, and I thought it was funny. It was a, a little bit back and forth though with the laughing sometimes. It was kind of a fun experience in that theater. Is my point? Um, okay. So um, as far as this movie goes in general, though, it's um, I don't know if this uh, you know it's a it's a cool love letter. I get what he's doing, and you know the idea of writing and journalism in general has been in the background of a lot of his characters in the past, give or take. Um, so this is not like new and he obviously loves writing. He's a writer. So like I get, I get the sentiment. I just wish I felt the sentiment a lot more. And that's ultimately where I come down on is that I just didn't feel this movie and I wish I could feel him more, but it's been, it's been a downhill, a slow, but steady downhill for me on Wes Hamilton. Um, Overall, over the last Tell me how 10, you really feel, 10, 15 years, you know, and it's fine. It's and the thing is that these movies are all made so meticulously well that you can't help but admire it. And I understand that. And uh, I understand that in the monotony of everyone's bullshit movies. And there's a lot of bullshit movies out there. I mean, I just I just fucking heralded the Tournament of Champions fucking escape from movie. But like. You know, and I can't be people want in, in, in the midst of all those movies, they want to fucking, you know, watch something different. But this is the same different of every one that he's done before. So, like, it doesn't feel any different anymore. And I just wish it went more that way. But any last thoughts for you guys? Or anything you mm-hmm. want to supposedly, like, maybe stand out more? Like, oh, this fucking guy, you know. Uh, okay, so C doesn't want to say anything. Um, no. No, no, I just, I can't think of anything else. Well, can besides... I ask something about Timothy Chalamet? Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen Call Me By Your Name. I knew it was a big fucking deal. I never saw it. you guys see that movie? No. no. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we're friends, by the way. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was, I mean, just by looking at one trailer, I was like, oh, this is so hokey looking. I really don't want to see this movie. But it made all those nominations, and I just never saw it. I will want to see it because I, I like the director. But, like, ultimately, I haven't seen it. And I don't get this Timothy Chalamet business. What do you why mean? is he, like, in thousands of movies now? What, why? He's wanted by everyone. He's, like, the next something. He's the next, yeah. uh, I don't know, He's Harrison Ford be, uh, or whatever. I don't know. What's in the, the next uh, Willy Wonka movie. Yeah, whatever. He's in. He's going to be in every big thing that he wants to be what, in. But what's the big deal about that? To... I'm just curious. Like, what do you guys think about? I guess kind of. It kind of bugs me. I don't get it. I've seen a couple of these movies, not just French Dispatch, but another one of. He was in. Uh, he was in. Uh, um, um, Little Women. He was in Little Women. I actually, it's did like him in that. That's the only thing I liked him in. Um, he was wasn't Lady he, Bird. Wasn't he in Lady Bird? Right. Yes. Yeah. Didn't he was, see it. Uh, Hostiles. Didn't see it. Hostiles. The fuck is that? Hostiles. Are you trying to say hostiles? <laughs> like what? What are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah, hostiles—the one with uh, Christian Bale. I don't think I've seen that one. Western. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Okay. Sky Cooper that? directed. Sure. Okay. Okay. Fine. But I don't remember it. Uh, anyway, I just don't get the Interstellar. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of chatter on this kid, like being like the next big thing. I'm like, I just don't see it in him. 
Like French uh, didn't convince me. It just seems like Wes Anderson picked him because he's he sounds French. Maybe he is. I don't know. And he can be a French revolutionary kid. I have no idea. He has a baby face. I, he has such a baby face. I'll say that right away. He does. He does feel like he's like nineteen forever. Yeah. Um, right. I just. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they see him as like the next. I don't know. Uh, something. I don't know. Patterson or something. Maybe. Maybe. Patterson's oh, I can't wait for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw Abyss War before the thing. I mean, I'm I all for Patterson fucking train. Uh, I saw, he is fluent in French. Oh, there you go. And he has I a saw, citizenship. I saw a meme about uh, Patterson. It was like, uh, the girls had him with his first movies. It's now the boy's turn, because he's doing Batman. Wait, do you mean a meme? Meme. A meme. I said it in Spanish. Why would you not let me speak in my ethnic thing? Damn, you fucking censoring him. Um, Damn, bro. Maybe. <laughs> okay, I think we're gonna end the show. So that's our review of the French Dispatch <laughs> and this section, maybe. And the section, obviously. Um. Anyway, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna review our final film of the evening, which is a marathon pick that I went with. Going thirty years ago, thirty years ago this year, the Silence of the Lambs came out. So we're going to talk about it. Stay with us. Good morning. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. Can I speak with you? You're one of Jack Crawford's, aren't you? I am, yes. May I see your credentials? Certainly. Closer, please. Closer. That expires in one week. You're not real FBI, are you? I'm still in training at the academy. Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me. Yes, I'm a student. I'm here to learn from you. Maybe you can decide for yourself whether or not I'm qualified enough to do that. Mm. That is rather slippery of you, Agent Starling. Sit, please. Now then, tell me, what did Miggs say to you? Multiple Miggs in the next cell. He hissed at you. What did he say? He said, I can smell your cunt. I see. I myself cannot. You use FR skin cream. And sometimes you wear lead at all. A young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer, a madman who skins his victims. This is 1991's The Silence of the the Lambs, uh, written by uh, Ted Talley, screenplay by him, and then based on the book by Thomas Harris, and then directed by the late, now unfortunately late, great Jonathan Demme. Uh, Jonathan Demme is responsible for 
so many amazing films, I think, personally, that he's done, um, let's see, he did, just double-checking, he did Ricky and the Flash, which I haven't seen, I really want to see that. Uh, he's done a couple episodes of The Killing, he's done Enlightened, he's done Rachel Getting Married, he did The Manchurian Candidate, he did The Truth About Charlie, which I really liked, um, did Beloved, I'm only mentioning the ones I've seen, Philadelphia, and of course, Sons of Lamps, um, He's a pretty solid director. He's done a lot of things with music. That's the thing to know about him. Yeah. You know, um, he did the the Talking Heads uh, documentary that everyone hails as like one of the best, if not the best, concert documentary, Stop Making Sense, which I agree with. It is amazing. It is amazing, you know. So anyway, uh, Signs of the Lamb starring uh, Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, um... Who is the dude? Anthony Held, I guess. Scott Glenn. Keep forgetting that Scott Glenn, actually. Frankie Faison. Who? Where is he? Ted Levine. Let's go with Ted Levine. Brooke Smith also has Catherine. So, I'm going to start with this one. Obviously, it's the 30th year anniversary. I went with something simpler. And by simpler, I mean a movie that a lot of people know. It was very well known in 91. I'm not picking a huge, like a, like a underrated movie or anything. Um, but also it's the anniversary. We pick anniversaries based on something they're, they're great for. Um, this is also maybe give or take, give or take, I should say. The last, you know, the last time the Oscars picked a movie, because this movie won like 10 awards, so one for everything was nominated. Um, it was the last yeah, time. five Oscars. Okay, fine. Nothing. No, no, it says, hey, well, that's, a, that's a lot of awards. What do you that's, think about it? It's a lot. It's a, well, one of the last times for sure then that I, 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 that I wholeheartedly agreed with winning all those Oscars, you know, for a movie. Like, I really agree with it because I really, really enjoy and still enjoy The Silence of the Lambs for many, many reasons. Um, I mean, it, it won what it needed to win. Yeah, I know it won uh, actor, director. Yeah, actor, actress, director, writing, and picture. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the that holy grail. And it and it and it lost if you want to consider lost because it got nominated for best sound mm. and film editing. Got it. Oh man, the editing is great in this movie. Um, yeah. So, and it's also it's also probably one of the last, not the last time that a horror movie made it that far in American history, right? I feel like it is. Yeah, I don't think they consider it a horror movie, though. But yeah, but it is a I, horror movie. But it is a horror movie. I would say so too. It is a hundred percent a horror movie. I think it's just like a horror movie that maybe treats it like a drama, but like uh, it is a horror yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Like no, yeah, there are, so. you can't show this to a kid for a lot of reasons, and not just the partial nudity, full-on frontal nudity that happens in the movie, but essentially the horror and the violence that goes along with it. And psychological violence, <laughs> really, and the trauma of it all. I think all that goes in, into it. And that's what, you know, so this movie, there's a lot of ways to start with this movie. And I'm going to start with this weird way by saying that Jonathan Demme uh, made this film. And he is not like, he is not at all known for a, for, for directing horror. As a matter of fact, this is his only horror movie he's ever done. In his entire career, in his long career, um, he only, yeah, you know, after this, he's done. He did Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia is not a horror movie; it's a drama for sure, but it's not a horror movie. And no, no, it's no, a no, biopic no. in a way. Uh, yeah. 
Um, you know, and others after that, as mentioned in Canada and others, they're not the same. And this is uh, what the Science of Lambs falls into that weird subcategory, sub subcategory of like made by people who don't normally make horror movies. And there's many, there's uh, yes. several like this. There are several uh, filmmakers that do this, that have done this from time to time. You know, I think of, for example, of um, uh, what's the name of that movie in, that takes place in Chicago? It's about heisting, but it's all about the women of the heists. The, um, it's like fuck. a one word, one word name. No, 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 I know. We just saw it. It came out a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, like more than a couple, but yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, a bit more. I want to say. It has, um... <laughs> fuck. I don't know, I forget. <laughs> no, 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 I'm trying to think. I don't remember. I thought, of, uh, anyways. I thought of this earlier, but there are a few people that do that. You know, I also think of uh, the movie Triple Nine, made by John Hillcote, who is not normally, you know, not ever known to be an action filmmaker. Because I action, understand. comedy, and horror tend to be part of a group, a group of people like a person that does comedy really well will typically keep doing different comedies. Think right, of right. Fairly Brothers, or you think of well, other many a show Walter guy, other people, so many other people. They 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 do it. Adam Sandler and his crew, they all do comedies, right? Um, same thing with horror. You know, you think of that dude who's doing the who did Doctor Sleep. I forgot his name already. Who's in uh, Netflix a lot? He did the the Bly Manor movie, whatever uh, show, and Hush and shit. Like he does exclusively horror. That's his thing, right? And a lot of people do this, you know? And yeah. it's like if Stephen King did a, some, a comedy, you know, it'll be like, whoa, out of left field there. This is what this is. It's one of those movies that someone that doesn't normally do this kind of thing, does prestige dramas usually for big things, you know, is doing a horror movie. And Sons of the Lambs is done so well that you can't ignore it. It's like one of the, the exceptions to that. Like, they came out swinging, and somehow they were able to translate what they know in their in their career of doing non horror to make this movie really good. Yeah, I see film. what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like there's something about that transition there that makes Sons of the Lambs work for me every single time I watch it. And um and obviously it goes it goes hand in hand with everything else, coupled with the amazing acting. There's like Anthony Hopkins is so fucking fantastic. And Jodie Foster has to you know, has to do like he has to portray like this, this this innocence and this ashamed, like little person inside, like the little girl that's in there, while having to do it in a man's world, which she has to, like, get things done, say what she has to say to get things done, be authoritative, authoritative yeah. and get a, and get away with and be a leader in that sense and then be assertive in that sense she has to do all these things and, and then Jodie Foster does it so fucking seamlessly that I don't I don't I don't ever think of her as Jodie Foster I think of her as Clarice Starling 100% oh yeah 100% yeah this movie I don't know where to start but like I just want to mention that a little bit but uh I mean I know what you think Ralph but I'm gonna ask you anyway what do you think of this movie fucking great I mean what what's there to say um <laughs> It's a, it's a great movie. It's one of those easily rewatchable movies for not like back to back, but like you know, it's one of those cool movies to watch uh, even once a year, or maybe other every other year, and mm-hmm. just like it's enthralling. You know, 
Uh, it's it's a very captivating movie. It's very much, and I was very paying paying very much attention this time, closer to the smaller details about things, more like uh, watching a lot of Anthony Hopkins and seeing what he because he says a lot of the things that he does in the movie that he catches, like he catches her her bleeding when she shows up one day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and stuff like the little little things that I'm like, I want to see what you see. You know, like, I want to see if all the clues are actually there. Because the movie's very much like, the clues are there, you should pay attention. Like, if I could freeze frame this scene and read the wall, can I catch, is the actual information actually there for me to catch? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or is it just, you know, for plot? It's one of those, it feels like it's one of those movies. Very much a usual suspect where everything's in front of you. Uh, and if you're paying attention to the movie, obviously the first time, there's no way in hell you are. But as you watch it multiple times... Uh, can you catch the actual, like, everything in front of you, you know? Uh, one of those kind of movies. And I, I, I really love it for that reason alone. Uh, obviously, the acting's great. The fact that you didn't even talk about Frankie Faison, my boy Barney. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Uh, greatest uh, security guard or greatest guard ever. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, what's it called? Uh, Port Stuart Rudin, who's uh, Migs. Oh, Migs, yeah. that's his name. Yeah, poor Migs. Uh, at the same time, uh, fuck Migs. So I don't know whichever way you want to go. Uh, also, oh, that's I, insane. A hundred percent. And you know what's funny is that I, this time around, I didn't even think it was the first interaction. I thought it was the second interaction she had that that accident happens with Migs. Oh no! Watch it this time yeah. around. I was like, man, this guy wasted fucking zero time. I was like, holy shit. So. Yeah, there's a there's a dance going on here between Hannibal Lecter and Clarice Starling, and the dance is obviously you know mostly one way, but also like they both have ulterior motives. Her ulterior motive is that she wants to know information about that can lead to an arrest of Buffalo Bill. Now Correct. she initially doesn't know she's doing this on assignment, but she doesn't know initially that he might actually know the fucking guy's name, but more like wants to know some insight, right? Wants to like understand. Yeah. A, a person like himself in order to catch someone that's killing right now, right? His ulterior motive, obviously, which he keeps much closer to the vest, is that he wants to get the fuck out. Right. <laughs> you know, everything he does is to lead him to that exit, lead yeah. him to have a friend over for dinner at the end. Um, <laughs> the perfect way. I like Jesus for a cannibal. I don't know. Um Poor bastard. Um, but not really. He's a dick. Um, you know, but uh, the initial thing, though, the, the thing is on the face of it, the surface of it all, is like there's this dance where he is kind of like, I don't want to say in a fake way, because, you know, not because I read the books or because I saw the sequels, which I did and I have. I, I don't mean because of that, because I think it's in the movie, too. I think there is a slight, the slightest bit of like romantic res- romanticism amidst the respectability that he has for Clarice. It's yeah, the, very much so. It's like I want to make you my plaything, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's like a weird mix of like I'm very captivated by you because you're obviously a strong person, and I can more like you're going to be a strong person, and I'm gonna help you be there, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And at the same time, it's it is this very great the fact that you are very respectful and you treat me like a human being compared to everybody else here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
probably the only other person who treats him like a human being is Barty. Uh, that's why he likes Barty so much, you know? Mm-hmm. And seemingly has a hold over him, too. Seemingly so, yes. Right, none of it's on the screen. Like, nothing none of it is that, on the screen, but, like, but you don't right. need to be on the screen. Right. Yeah. There's little things that happen where uh, she obviously gets too close to stuff, and Barty never says anything because, like, it, he doesn't, you know what I'm saying? And, like, also, same thing when he talks to her. Uh, he does say something to uh, to Barney, like, I'm ready for, for something. Like, he knows that he's going to respect him as far as to his job, whatever he needs to do, and vice versa. They know that they're both in, like, I'm, I'm, you're the jailer and I'm the captive, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, I, as long as we treat each other with respect, like, there'll be no problems. And that's exactly what he has with him. Like, he's very much, like, he has these rules with people. It's unwritten rules, right? But at the same, it's just like common courtesy shit. Yeah, and it's crazy that the fact that just Clarice is, is like this person who's obviously just well mannered. You know, a something as simple as being well mannered. You know, uh, gets her this far. Obviously, her looks and everything else goes with that. Mm-hmm. But I think a guy, a young hotshot guy, wouldn't be able to do the same thing. Even a well mannered young guy, you know, even the smart. Uh, no, even the smart. Exactly, but her. Uh, it's just like she, like she tries. You can see the transformation of her as the movie goes, and it's actually a really cool transformation. Um, just like she's just becoming more, in, more like kind of like the moth. sure of herself, kind of like the moth, very much yeah, so. The yeah. pupa chrysalis, oh. right? Yeah. And then sent to beauty, as he says. You know, her graduation scene is that beauty. You know, respected by everyone, by her peers, kind of very thing. much so. I, I love that. I love that scene too because she's like. What does he say? I'm not going to come after you kind of thing. And I think she already knew that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like um, she's the only one that knows, like, he's not, when he escapes, that he, that she's not the next call, you know? Right. Well, he, he even says... Like, he would consider like, that rude. Right. <laughs> yeah, he would consider that rude. He's like, the world is much more interesting with you in it, you know? Yeah, right. And I'm just like, why, what an answer. Like, like, who says that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's so crazy because he's so, like, I don't know eclectic i guess but whatever yeah i mean okay so i mean hannibal lecter is such a is such an alien to everyone i'm trying to think yeah basically everyone i've ever met in my life like the idea and the concept and the machinations of a character of a person like hannibal lecter existing it's so otherworldly to me that he might as well be an alien because he is (laughs) so insanely smart he is he is so observant that he might as well be Sherlock Holmes. He is um, so conniving and yet selfish and very much a, a victim of his own desires. Yeah. That obviously happen to be very brutal in <laughs> nature. Um, like that I can't even, I both relate to him. Like I get it. Like, you know, the part of another ulterior motive to him wanting to get out of that prison more, I think something that he's been jonesing for even more than getting out, getting anywhere, right, is um, is his need to connect with another person. And maybe even, because he was a psychologist, being able to actually treat someone that deserves his treatment. Yeah. I, you know, and I think, and I, obviously, I think, he... He almost I think has that, an orgasmic, like... Yeah, that one scene. Yeah, uh, that one scene when he finally gets it out of Clarice. Yeah, the lambs. Yeah, yeah, about the lambs. Yeah, he literally has like that, like, like I, I feel right with the world. You know, like I feel right for being able to do what 
whatever if you consider it his calling. Right? Yeah. You know what I compare that scene to? Huh? Is that scene in a different movie in the in the Shining, the the Stanley Kubrick film, where where Jack Nicholson is having a drink with Lloyd and he gets that first drinks and he drinks uh, it that slow way. Good, and it's like yeah. it's like that satisfying yeah. need. Selfish need in, in more of his case. Well, both their cases, really. But more in Jack Nicholson's case, it's more of a, a selfish need uh, yeah. to drink that. And then you can feel his soul being sold, his soul being sold to the to the devil in that scene. But in this one, it's like it's like not redemption in any way. We should not redeem this guy because he's he's really awful. But like, and he knows it. He's so self aware of his actions that he he can't hide that. Um, but he is so desperate for like to do something useful, yeah. you know, and to have a subject that he respects, ends up respecting, like Clarice Starling, totally how it works. And this almost becomes like a the weirdest relationship of a lot of movies, especially in horror. Like, I've never seen that, you know, and still to this day, not much of that. You know, they only touch once, right, when he gives her the files. Like, it's such a weird relationship. Where like they're best friends, they're very they're dancing all the time in metaphorical ways that it just becomes so enthralling to keep watching. Their scenes are the best. Their scenes are the standout of the movie, more than any violence or anything like that. Uh-huh. But uh you know, staying away from those scenes because there's a lot more movie to, to discuss. Yeah, know, this movie is um about a lot of things. You know, Star- Clarice Starling is in literally a world full of men. She's in a man's world. And they show that right away in the beginning. Right away, yeah. you know, when she gets called in, before she even says one word, she's in an elevator full of guys, all white guys, all bigger than her, all taller than her, all dressed the same, but her, you know, it's very much like that. And she's in a room full of that. And they even address it later when they visit that victim at the funeral home um, with the cops in the small town. Like, she's in a man's world and stuff. And it's the movie has a lot to say about that for sure. And it doesn't say it with any words, just says it with visuals. But um, what do you think about that? Like the way they did it. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I uh, no, 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 I 100 percent like it. And actually, that's a thing in the um, in the movie. It was supposed to open with uh, with them doing uh, what's it called? Uh, her uh, Clarice and another F- a male FBI agent going into a drug bust. That was gonna that was gonna be that that uh, that that training exercise. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, apparently, Jodie Foster asked her to convince Debbie to change the scene. Um, with her running through the assault course, like oh, really? I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's it called? I just I felt like, uh, I guess she felt I don't know was more of a better scene to see her. Like I, I feel like that scene is important for her because she looks like she's a person who's like, like dedicated, you know, dedicated and hardworking. Yeah, but also uh, alone. But also alone. Yeah, yeah. also very yeah alone. She's doing it on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it called? Strong, independent woman. Yeah, kind definitely. Of thing, kind of scene, and it is very, very true. She walks into a room where everybody, everybody's, everybody's a guy at the FBI, except for like the receptionist and shit, you know. Yeah. So like, it's it is it is that nature. I hate to say it, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's a that's a. I, I did like that that part of the movie. I mean, that's a good thing in the movie, and it also plays to I think what Jodie Foster basically plays in most of her movies. So, a lot of it for sure. I yeah. mean, this movie kind of, I mean, there's a lot of movies. I mean, she's pretty, she's pretty iconic. But she's she is a, pretty iconic, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of iconic things. Um, yeah, but this one did a lot, a lot, a lot big, a lot of for her roles later on. 
Um, especially like the brave one, stuff like that. Um, yeah, and even even Hannibal Lecter addresses this thing by asking, "Do you think that Crawford sees you sexually?" Like the only reason a man like Crawford, a prominent man in, FBI, in the FBI profiling business, would uh, even you know take a second look at a, at a Clary Starling for to be on his team is because she's a woman and an attractive woman, you know, yeah. and kind of says all of that by asking her if she thinks that he visualizes fucking her and if he oh yeah you know and all this stuff like he addresses it and then never does it again because her answer is more than enough for her like i don't even think about it it's like the same thing with Migs, and he has a nice retort like well not anymore (laughs) 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 and like that's a great fucking final line and then constantly she is real like that moment she gets a wide-eyed a little bit like a little wide-eyed and when he says that that when he you know says that line and you know kind of like she gets all these reminders because she's so into these conversations, she gets like these gentle reminders. Oh, right, he's a psychopath. Yeah. Oh, right. Don't don't do that, Gloria. It, 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 it is crazy because you're literally talking to a doctor, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, of psychology, and then who's very well versed, very well educated, um, and then you have the other. There's only other two people in there, right? So um, two people. Oh yeah, I mean besides you know, Besides yeah, Hannibal Lecter in the yeah. downstairs area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, and then obviously they're just, you know, psychopaths. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I really love, um, so, okay, so so many things we could still go on to Hannibal Lecter, and I will, but um, let's go on to Ted Levine, who, uh, or Ted Levine, Levine, I'm going to go with Levine. Sure. Um, I mean, he is so funny because, not so funny, but he, that actor um, became prominent for being, for playing cops. Later on in his life and his career, particularly being the captain in Monk, remember Monk? Yes, I remember. Yeah. In so many things too, he's in other things too. He plays like the, the he was he was in Heat. He was one of the cops that worked under Al Pacino's character, for example, and others as well. Um, but you know, he got his big starring role as a serial killer, so the opposite of a cop, arguably. So what I mean, that's quite a character, and that is such a unique, strange character. He's a, he is definitely a supporting character. But very nearly, it's his movie as much as... Not really, but it's almost like his movie as much as it is Clarice. Um, what do you think about him? Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo Bill. James Gum. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he's a... It's an interesting character, for sure. Um I feel like he's. Uh, I feel I don't know his his voice in the movie. I feel like he's always it's like always changing. Um, like he'll he'll drop southern, you know. Well, when we first meet him, he's acting right to get the couch in. Correct, correct, yeah. And then I just feel like whenever he talks until he yells at what's her name in the movie hmm. in the well, yeah, like that's his voice, you know. And everything else is just like he doesn't know what he wants yet, right? It's very much so. And I know he's trying, or he tried to do like a transition thing, right? Because that's what he wanted to do. He wants to be a female, right? Um, that I just feel like, uh, which is like the whole thing about what he's doing. Uh, I just feel like uh, it makes sense to the character when you think about it. Like watching this movie for the first couple times, it doesn't, especially like when I saw it. 
just didn't make sense to me. Like his character is just a serial killer. Like he wants to do this because he wants to make a fucking thing about skins or whatever. Mm-hmm. They do talk about it. Yeah, yeah. But like nowadays, especially now, like with like transgender like rights and shit going on, and uh, like I'll just more like a easier narrative to talk about instead of just something that's very much not taboo but very much unheard of mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, interesting to, to actually think about and it's like he's like talking about like there's only three hospitals that would do this kind of surgery at that time yeah at the time right and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's obviously one of the three top hospitals in the world yeah well yeah they happen to be one of the most <laughs> yeah right, right, right exactly makes that which makes sense I mean, if you think about it and then uh and then just like him being denied because he's fucking crazy. Um, probably that's the reason. And, well, uh, he said that he was denied. The purposes were he was denied. You mentioned the whole line about his pathology is much more savage and terrifying than even he, even he thinks he is. Like, he failed a psychology test. Regarding right. Those, yeah, massively. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, which, like I said, makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is like, it does play to this, like, a uh, very abnormal person that we wouldn't think about, but right now that doesn't feel super strange. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what he wants to do. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so obviously making the skin suit is super fucking weird, but like everything else, what he's just trying to do in life is like fit in more. I feel like in this world, I don't think he's besides the craziness part. Um, he probably wouldn't be a killer, you know? Like, less chances of him being one, I suppose. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, I mean, on the outside world of this movie, there's a lot of uh, heat on this movie regarding Buffalo Bill. For a lot of reasons, that makes sense, you know, there's a lot of stigmatism, you know, from 1991, and even well before that, to well before after that, until very recently, it was quite the norm to, you know, make fun or trivialize uh, or yep. or make horror fun out of gay or trans or anything like that. Right. And this is one of those prime examples people go to for this kind of behavior, this anti, this not very good thing. But I think, in defense to not John, not just Jonathan Demi, I guess, but the film itself, is that I think it is treating it very not clinically or coldly necessarily, but very bluntly. And I think it's just showing the man already in a hugely psychotic state where the main character that the main, not the main character, Clary Starling, but the, the one of the main characters, Hannibal Lecter says something that the main character, Clary Starling, who we're empathizing the most with is seeing as fact is that he is crazy. He is psychotic. He is violent already. Those things have nothing to do with his need to become a woman. Yeah. yeah. And that she even herself says in literature, there's no such thing as, um, the, there's, there's no correlation between violence and transsexuals. Transsexuals are usually very positive, she says. Yeah. And like, and then he, he quotes that thing, but it's very perfect for me. You know, when he says like, clever girl, like you're very close to the way you're going to catch him. Yeah. You know, and he's like, do you realize that? And she has no idea, of course, but it's just true though. And that comes to another point in the movie that I want to talk about later. But like, um, and I think the movie tries to, I think the movie acknowledges it. I don't think it's trying to either because it's 91. You yeah. could do a lot to the gay community and trans community and get away with it 100%. 100%. A lot of movies did it without even remorse. 
Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, a lot of movies are very much so. The movie has that scene, and it has it in trying to explain this 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 character who is not going to explain himself to a camera or to his victim or to his dog. So we have nothing else but to see him in his natural habitat, you know. And it has nothing to do with being transsexual. It has to do with him being a psychopath, and that's where we're supposed to focus on. Yeah, you know, it's fantastic. It's a really good good correlation there. I mean, and the fact that the the FBI didn't know about him making a woman's suit until way later in the movie, like way later. It's amazing how long it took them to figure that well, out. Well, I just think it shows the the the, the unique position that Hannibal Lecter is in where he's obviously a super smart guy and he happens to be a killer as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just the fact that how behind like, I guess the type of recruitment or whatever the FBI uses, right? Um, when it comes to like case studies or something uh, with people or whatever they do, dossier, they do a lot of workup, right? Yeah. But they're not caught up with, I guess, what like the ground is. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like they just oversee things, but they're not actually like the field. You know, it's yeah. like working at a desk and then knowing that everything happens, but you're not out there. You know, so uh, and he is very much so. So he understands a lot of the things way more than they do. Not because he's a killer, but because he's a psychiatrist who actually talks to these people and things of that nature. But in the unique position of the because he's a killer, he understands the move even more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. yeah, yeah, right. he does. You know, and that brings me to the thing I mentioned earlier about him mentioning he's, um, you know, transsexual passive and the you know clever girl and all that. Uh, it reminds me of something very, very pivotal about Hannibal Lecter is that uh-huh. he never cheats himself. He has values that he in principles he never actually cheats on. For example, like most movies or most stories or most real criminals would use the fact that they know who this Buffalo Bill guy is to get uh, out of jail or to get lower this. sentencing. He doesn't rely on that. He makes it a joke. Lewis Friend, Iron Sulfide and all that. He makes a joke out of it. He doesn't yeah. want to do that. He doesn't want to get out that way. He he uses that to get to a better prison, so he can like figure that out and get out of there. Because obviously, the prison he's in in the in the beginning of the movie is pretty much like un- inescapable. It looks like, but the fucking theatrical looking prison cell they put him in <laughs> with all those cops is like cakewalk for him. You know, and the fact that yeah. he gets the pen and all that, you know, he takes right. advantage of the opportunities he's creating. But he's not like actually using his knowledge of who Buffalo Bill is to get away with it. No, I was going to say that it's just like this, this code. Sterling finds him by the by studying the case, not yeah. by knowing the guy's name. No, exactly. No, it's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that don't get me wrong; he gives information that's needed to get to his advancement, but yeah. he never stitches on anybody. Yeah, surprisingly, he keeps it's, it completely intact. It's crazy. It's crazy because it's like, well, you know, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up whatever I need to. This guy should be smart enough to not be in those things or to not do yeah. whatever to have covered their tracks, right? Which he does, right? Uh, and it's crazy because like he does get to that. Like it's almost like uh, honor among thieves, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this, it, but it is this very weird thing where like he wouldn't expect anyone to snitch on him. In the same case of like, if he ran across another serial killer or another whatever, uh, that he, oh well, I know him; he knows me. 
I will never do that to you, even if I was caught, even if it meant something, but yeah, I expect you never to do it to me. And they know that you he can live by his word. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It is one of those like weird, honorable things that I don't think you would see in today's society at all. Which 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 was what we exactly what we're talking about. Right. But like yeah. you would see that like back in like medieval times kind of shit, you know? Because that's all <laughs> we had back then. <laughs> yeah, you only had your word and your right, exactly. So you can depend on. Right. Um Yeah, but it even goes beyond that. It's like she doesn't she doesn't get to learn what she gets what she has to learn by cheating. No, you're one hundred percent yeah, exactly. You know, like, it, it, it is very weird. Much so, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 it is. It, it's well, good. It, I think it leads to his I think it leads back to his like psychiatry work. Yeah. Where like it's very much so like, well, I'm here to help you grow, right? I'm not here to just give you the code mm-hmm. of like, oh well, this is your issues, go fix it. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No, I'm very much like you need to figure this shit out. You need to come with a resolution so you can so you can start growing. Not me get I know the answer already. You have these issues, but you're not gonna you don't need to listen to that. You need to figure that out yourself so you can be like, Oh, I see it now. Exactly. Yeah. And it is very much so like he he's helping her, like but at the same time he's obviously getting off on it. I could totally see him masturbating like later just to yeah. the fact that he did all this, you know. Unfortunately, yes, I could see that too. <laughs> you know. So. Oh, he's probably the type of guy who edges himself into the some into some sort of other exquisite form of release. Um yeah. like I I could just see it. I don't know. Don't ask me why. Um, you know, and also this is one of those rare movies in my lifetime where, where like, you know, I like it and love it so much. I watch it often that I always catch something new every time I watch it. This time around, what I caught that I was new is that Hannibal, I caught Hannibal's uh, one mistake in the movie. Um, he actually makes an error in the form of an assumption when, when Clarice is telling, this is not the, this is not the full version of that this is uh this is not the last confession that she gives it's the second to last one when she's talking about how after her dad passed away she went to live in a horse and sheep ranch for a few months and he's like why so why so quickly she's like i ran away and he goes he assumes which you know if you give a psychologist you know I mean that they shouldn't assume anything. I mean, yeah, the fellatio thing. But he doesn't care. He's not a real. I mean, he's not her psychiatrist necessarily. But like, yeah. he assumes and says like, "Oh, is it fellatio? Did he make you do? Did he sodomize you and shit?" And he's like, "No, he was a very decent man." But she says that kind of cruelly. But she says, "No, he didn't do that. He was a decent man. It was a lamb. Yeah. It was something else entirely." And that's his one mistake. And I really like that the the movie really does that really well because she responds in kind, and it was very. Very cool the way it was done. Um, anyway, that's it. That was the one thing I remember this, that I caught this time. But this movie could go on forever. I mean, there's so many things. Um, I mean, she gets hit on a lot, ideally. Sometimes it's not for sure. Sometimes, yes, for sure. You think of Chilton um, or the way some of the people look at her when she walks by. Some of the cops kind of detest her because she's above them. You know, you see a lot of this back and forth between the men. In the movie, um, she she has this one scene in the when they're about to check the the one girl, the decomposing girl that they just found, mm-hmm. and there uh, she's like, <laughs> it's funny because she talks to them how they would be talked to normally, mm-hmm. but she's also shooing them away like a dog. Like yeah, go, <laughs> like, yeah, no, 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 get on in here, go on now, go on, on now. Was like, and I'm like, why are you? Sh- why can't you say like, all right, I appreciate you guys' help, you know. Uh, if you guys could please leave. Well, the, I mean, ideally, her male counterpart, if she is the authority, if he, I mean, if the male counterpart existed and was a male authority, yeah. he would just say, get the fuck out. 
you know, like it doesn't, you know, a hundred percent. Right. Different. It's just, but it is yeah. funny. Like I, I get it. She's, she, cause it feels, she really feels like she's, I am, uh, from a town, this, this and that when she's talking to them, yeah. she feels very much like, you know, but yeah. I just feel it's, it is funny how she just kind of like shoes them away. Like, okay. Like I'm not giving you an option kind of thing. Uh, but it, it, it is like a funny scene, but cause she's almost talking to them. Like, a, like I'm your mother leave yeah. Kind of so, yeah. yeah also this is one of those uh, rare movies where like they don't ever have to feel like they should ever inject any kind of comedy not one laugh really I mean you could laugh at some bits for sure if you're watching this kind of like whatever and over time if you've seen it many times you can laugh about yeah. Migs you can laugh about Chilton sure. but they're not funny no, they're nothing not funny. is ever no. there's no one liner in this entire movie Find me a movie where it doesn't do that because a lot I, of movies do that, even a, a super serious movie. I, I, I think the, the one-liner is only for Buffalo Bill himself is when he's like, have you guys caught anybody? Like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, when he's laughing at himself. <laughs> yeah, he's like, laughing oh, at my himself. God, that's so bad. I can't believe you got away with it so long. I, I know. Just, thinking, right? right, exactly. Oh. I, that's like a one scene where you're like, you laugh because he's laughing at himself, not yeah. because he's making a joke for himself. It's just so funny. But yeah. Besides that, there's really nothing else I can that I can. Yeah, and, and when she's like, "May I use your phone?" Like, and he's like laughing. And it's like, "Sure, you can use it." Like, dude, shut up. Yeah. I mean, he she knows. So let's talk about the opposite. Super suspenseful, dreadful moment. There's a few of them that still gets me every time, every yep. single time. And one of them is in that scene we're talking about, where she's asking questions. She doesn't know it's him. She's at Mrs. Lipman's old house. Yeah. And um. The moth lands on the sewing yarn thing, and she knows. And like when it lands on there, I'm like, oh! Even though I know it the whole time, it always gets me because we're in her point of view. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, suspenseful. No, and oh that's Jodie Foster selling that scene. I get that 100%. tingle every single time. Yeah, like, oh, yep, yep, yep. anything else you want? Uh, what else you got on that? Do you have any more? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I I actually think that. Uh, uh, I always feel like, and I know it doesn't happen. I, I, it's not a suspenseful scene, but it is one of those like something's gonna, something should happen in any movie that you've ever seen horror wise. Mm-hmm. When she goes to that, uh, when she goes to the what's it called, the storage unit. Oh yes, and like yeah, you like you hear like something going like creaking or whatever something happens, and you're like, what the hell's going on, kind of shit, and you feel like something's gonna happen, like the killer's gonna be there or whatever the case is. Like it's just like one of those horror scenes that you're expecting. You know nothing's gonna happen. But then she finds the the the, the head. Yeah. yeah. And like and then it just leads to like, you know, further things, which is I guess better. But progresses the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean her psychology is really what progresses the movie. I mean going that first conversation with um, Hannibal Lecter, he inadvertently touched a button where it reminded her of her father. And we get that flashback of her dad, and she's crying outside the car, outside the facility. And then the second time after that, she gets it on her own without Hannibal Lecter. She gets it because she had been thinking about him earlier, of course. Uh She gets it when she meets um, that victim that they pull out of the river, and she's at the funeral home, and it reminds her of her when she was younger, going to her father's funeral home. Yeah, now... Did yeah. you think that the scene that you said when Hell of a Lecter pushes about it about her father or just about her life in general? Well, um, he, so there's a whole like a long, not like a monologue or anything, but like a whole thing where he is 
deconstructing her. Like she's like he is very much putting her down and testing yeah. her. This is like where he basically ultra observes and describes her, her motivation to getting out of whatever small town she is. Her accent is telling him she's from to go to the FBI and being higher than the standing of white trash that she is. Yeah. In that sense, she gets it so right because she doesn't say he's wrong. He just says she, her response is like, why don't you use that on yourself? You know, because right. that's the only way she can say that. Um, but he inadvertently triggers that small town life she used to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. you know, and um, yeah. I mean, I do, I do. And her motivations you, to being at the FBI, right? You know? Of course, yeah. So, like, I think that's that's what that is. Or just motivations of grander aspects. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah. I feel that is anyway. I mean, this is all conjecture, I guess. But um, dreadful moments, though. Adding to that is um, for me that entire scene in the dark. I don't know, man. I don't, I mean, yeah. I'm surprised you know, this guy got away with it. It's actually it's kind of amazing. But that's how akin, and she was so fear. And she let the fear work for her yeah, without even knowing it in that scene. She was so painfully aware of every sound that the second she hears the, co- the cocking of the gun, she fucking reacts without thinking. You know? It is really kind of a crazy scene. Yeah. Every single time. Which is funny because, like, you... uh that seed is. Uh, I always felt like with when he cuts the power, I I always felt like they were in a bigger room. But like paying attention to it this time because I never really paid attention to it because I'm always looking at her and I'm not mm-hmm. looking at the room. Yeah, but looking at the room because it is a, that enthralling of a scene. You kind of just want to watch everybody's reactions. But, yeah, right. Um, which I agree with you. It is very much a horror horror scene. Uh, the watching the room is like he's back she's back in the room where where he does all the dressings and stuff like that like he's back in like a tighter she's back in like a tighter space you know what i'm saying i always felt like it was a different random open room but it's not it's like one of those other rooms that they used already uh and it's it's interesting to see that when you pay attention to like the night vision stuff mm-hmm. uh which is good use on night vision i would say yeah, uh, especially like for old for old school night vision. The only that beat that is the Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, that's fucking fantastic. But that's yeah. how long it took, though. It's so good, <laughs> right? Yeah, very much so. So, I mean, it is a great scene where it is very much so. Like she's like everything full training mode is on. You know, dude. Yeah, have you ever tried to desperately walk around in the dark? Like it's something uh, wakes you up suddenly. It, it, it's happened to me once or twice in my lifetime, and it is bizarre. I'm, you know, I thought afterwards, I must have felt like Jodie Foster in that scene. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, and you know, one of the few movies that actually has like the death, the death rattle of someone dying when Buffalo Bill dies on the floor. The, the, the last death. That, he has that moment too where he, his hands curl. I never, I really never see that every, anywhere around this movie, like after or before. Yeah. I've really rarely, if ever, seen that. It's kind of a you know rare thing. I wonder if that's more of a true thing because I know the the death rattle thing is a real thing. Not that everyone does it, but it's very common. And I think that's what he did. And like you kind of never hear that in movies. I always thought that's that was true. Actually, when you think about it, right? And the way his hands curl just so bizarre to me. Um, but kind of cool in a in a oh man, this is a real fucking horror movie. Um, another one, of course, is Hannibal Lecter's thing when he like. It, you know, a lot of people go with uh, that close-up of his face while he's swinging that fucking belly bat and killing the dude. 
like yeah that's very fucking fucking freaky for sure but for me is the very moment when he latches when he closes the handcuffs on the guy for me that's the that's that moment i get that feeling for me Mm, um, I think for for me, one of those a very similar part of the scene mm-hmm. when he closed the handcuffs, he's like, "Oh shit!" moment, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. But it, it's that just that 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 line when it's like, "Ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry." Oh, that too. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Like I was just about to say because that. you know what's about to happen. He's a fucking like oh like you know what's gonna happen. He's got a knife in his hand. Yeah, he's not Buffalo Bill. He's not gonna just fucking go in and do it right away. Like he's gonna no, be careful. No. He fucking puts him on display. Oh, like, like it is insane. It is. It is very much insane. It's crazy. Like, yeah. oh, nice. <sighs> uh, that one. That also gets me. Can't think of any more really. Um, I guess you know, there's a sense of real dread when um, when Jodie Foster first walks through the line of other prisoners to get to Hannibal Lecter. It's almost like walking through the halls of hell to get to this guy she has to talk to. Like I thought that was really that was always really cool how they do that. Yeah. Um. Because not everything, not everyone is mixed necessarily. You know. No, no, no. Sleeping. Oh, some of them don't care. Like, right. but it's still very creepy. You know. Um. Very dreadful. Anyway. Um. I think that's roughly all I have. I can keep talking about it, but it's been forty-five minutes. I'm sure you. Yeah. Great movie. Love this movie. If you haven't seen it by any chance, and you're still listening to this, by all means, why? What, what are you doing? A and B. Go watch it. Um. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So that's it on our review of Signs of the Lambs. We're going to end the show now. You have been listening to another movie podcast. I never even mentioned at the beginning of this segment that Luke had to leave to go to sleep. And he hadn't seen the movie in time for this review. So no big deal. But whatever. I'm saying it now. Uh, you can always follow me on Letterboxd if you wish to do so. Find it file, following my movie watching habits at uh, Armin Filmmaker, which is Filmmaker with A-R-M-E-N. What about you, Ralph? On Twitter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Rafael underscore between the Rafael, and then you can follow me on um, Twitch at Sue Trauma. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's all I got. But for next time, we're doing next time. Well, uh, well yeah, almost there. Um, remember, we are a bi-weekly show, so we come out every other Wednesday. Next time, Roth will be picking the films. What are those films, Roth? Oh yes, uh, one of the movies that has already been out is The Last Duel. Hmm. And then uh, that's in theaters. And then another movie that's in theaters is uh, Last Night in Soho. That's coming out this week uh, before Two Halloween. Lasts? Huh? Two Lasts? Two Lasts. Are we doing Last Action Hero for the third one? That'd be great. I uh, uh, love that song? movie. I love that movie, too. Um, which one? Exorcism or Action? No, no, Last Action Hero. Oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> Sorry. Cool. Uh, then, uh, and then the, the, the last movie that of the list, it's not called The Last. Anything. Is an Apple TV original. Um, it's called Finch, starring Tom Hanks. Yes, that's right. I have no idea what that's about, but I can't wait to find out. Yep. So those are the three films we're reviewing next time. Until then, guys, I am Oscar. And Ralph. See you all later. Uh-huh.